On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that's, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The, the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yacht. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Boak and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, I, kinda... I, I, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level... Working for Yatsenyuk, it's just not going to work.
welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, March 7th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. No real preamble today. I think that video speaks for itself. And I think it's e- the, the point of the video is to reiterate things we've already discussed, which is simply that these are verifiable facts, things that you can look up for yourself. You won't, like he said, and by the way, that's Storm Clouds Gathering, who I will, I, I will I just bring it up right now. Make sure you guys see that you can check out his work still right now. Here is his website. Look at it for yourself. Here's the breakdown of the video I just showed you, the Ukraine crisis, what you're not being told. That's one small part of the reality. The bottom line is today is to paint the reality of, of how they are rewriting history in real time, something we've said a lot on this show, and it's, it's, it's easy to see. It, I mean, within the narrative or the, the frame of COVID-19, it's hard to compare, but this might just be one of the clumsiest narratives I've seen, but I've saying that about COVID this entire time. But these things are just so transparent. And we're going to walk through all of this stuff and get into the background of these people and what they're saying now and how obvious and not, and not you know, very little redundancy today. It's a lot of new information about things that were there before. Mainstream media, then versus now. And that's a really fun game to play because it's pretty embarrassing how often they will literally contradict themselves moments later because it's what they're told to do or because that's what signs their paycheck or who knows why. But that video is obvious. For those that didn't know, this, these are this, Newland was speaking about who was going to be elected, you know, in the new democracy that they were putting together because <laughs> that's how that works, right? And it's all very easy to see. And you look at through all the different countries they've done this for before and so on and so on. Or the fact that that was Estonia's uh, minister speaking about how they knew and had evidence around the fact that it was the opposite or the, the U.S. backed government that shot people in the square. They knew that they didn't talk about it. They covered it up and they used that to create what they wanted. Now, the question you should ask is, did they make that happen? You know, my thoughts especially when we can see how the Assad situation ended up this same exact narrative. And then that also got shown to be wildly manipulated by the U.S. government. It's the same thing that they do. This is who they are. That does no reflection on the American people because we are manipulated as well. I shouldn't say no reflection. There's always some reflection. But at the end of the day, they pretend to be good because they think you want good because we do want good. They are the bad people. That's the reality. And it's not just U.S. government. But as always, as an American broadcasting from within the United States, I affect the most change within the United States, as Caitlin says about Australia. And I love that point because it's true. It's accurate. But we will talk about other things as well, as I, I apparently go into a preamble. But the point nonetheless is that this is an important discussion for you to read, watch, look through. Storm's Cloud Gathering, Storm Clouds Gathering does an amazing work, does amazing work. And there's a lot more in here to check out. More background. Now, the person that we are pointing to, the person that's on the main uh, sh- uh, image of the show today, as you can see, I'm terrible with his name, but Tani Buck, the head, head of Svoboda, the group that is currently a political party in Ukraine. So too, by the way, Azov having all sorts of fingers in the political parties. But this is, this is the person we're talking about. Now, let's not pretend like we can misrepresent. There's no misunderstanding what you're looking at there. It's obviously what you think it is. This person is an open neo-Nazi, open white supremacist. It's very easy to see. And as he showed in the images, standing right next to John McCain, sort of like when he's standing next to the ISIS terrorist that they later find. You know, it's the same situation. That's what I keep saying. This is the new Syria. We've been talking about that since before it was sort of a popular talking point within the quasi-independent media. This is the reality. And it's also much broader than what you'll hear in those circles. There's much more happening here. 
Now, let's un- to be under- to be very clear, just to lay it out in the beginning, as we've been saying in this Ukraine topic from the beginning, nobody by pointing out the lies of the, or I shouldn't say no, in, from my perspective, nobody in T-Lab, let's say, by pointing out the lies of the U.S. government, the lies of the U.S. media, the lies of the entire situation of Ukraine, in no way does that suggest some kind of unspoken alternative that we're, that's always like, for instance, if you didn't vote for Clinton, Trump, you were voting for Clinton. That's not how that works. That's the two-party paradigm warping the way you perceive things. We can point out that our government's lying without immediately assuming that I'm supporting Putin or behind the, the Russian government or ignore. Obviously, we should question all of this. What's happening in Ukraine is bad. People are being hurt. Civilians, that's what always happens. Both civilians in the Donbass region and civilians in Ukraine. That's how that works. Now, I can point to the people we're staring at right here and how they've openly said that they want to attack and murder and kill and remove these people, even though what, what's happening is the U.S. government's pretending they want to bring them back into the fold of safety of Ukraine. They've openly stated the opposite. So on one side of this, you know, because they've said it, what they want to do to these people. So there's no reason anybody should be forcing the people of Donetsk and Lugansk back into the Ukrainian government controlled by the U.S. government. That's obvious. But on the other side of that, you have to acknowledge that what Putin is doing is causing chaos too, causing harm too. Now, that's not even to get into whether you might feel what he's doing is justified from a strategic point, from a Russian government point. But either way, from a last American vagabond standpoint, that's a ba- what's happening is war. And we do not support that. I do not support any of this. But you have to acknowledge that by a, pointing out why you might think his actions, at least in his mind, were justified is something an objective person could do while still being against what's happening. Like, it's painful that I have to... I know all you in the chat are well aware of the nuance and what we do. And I know all the people out there that are going to willfully misrepresent me anyway don't care about what I'm saying. But I'm trying to reach those people in the middle that have discernment, that are very aware that there is middle ground here and that there's nuance to every conversation always outside of the two-party paradigm. So just think about that as we go forward. Plenty of people, even in the, in, in the actual independent media, are looking at things like we're covering and arguing that we're somehow now pro-war. And that's ridiculous. In no way have I ever even remotely implied that. It's simply recognizing that you can see what the U.S. government did, and it did it on purpose to initiate this situation. Simple as that. Now, to go forward, again, recognizing that this was something the U.S. government let happen and created, forced people in, We're going to go through this situation today and show you how clear it is that this is being rewritten right now and why there's a lot of really dangerous things happening that you should be questioning. But before we get to that, just want to continue to point out how this weirdly has just started up again. UN Security Council is now going to hold an emergency meeting on North Korea. Like, you know, it's just out of sorts. It's disjointed. just Just so you guys know, aside of my joking around this topic from before, North Korea has apparently fired off un you know, what, what's the term they used? Uh, undefined or whatever the term they use. They fired off projectiles. That's happened quite a few times over the last so many years. The difference, the mainstream media, the corporate media did not freak out and bleed about it and call them the biggest threat to our democracy. Why? Because that's not even remotely what this is. But what's interesting is now, all of a sudden, now that their COVID narrative is absolutely collapsing, which by the way, I will get into most likely early tomorrow. I had to split this up again today, but I don't have the the, 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 the willpower to do two shows today, but I will get into all of that other stuff tomorrow. A lot of important stuff happening there. But because that's de- dangerously falling apart, I mean, really bad. I mean, there's testimony. This is very clear. 
they are in really bad water with that because it's undeniable. Whatever they tried to do didn't work and people are suffering, mostly on the side of the people that got this thing. And it is very clear. But now they're going, look over there as usual. But now North Korea is a problem again. Oh my God, North Korea, even though nothing's really different than what it's been for the past three years. Ask yourself why. I think you know why. Then all of course, then of course, this other situation, which again is tied to ISIS, same thing. Bombs killed two in UN peacekeepers in, in Mali, which is terrible, horrible. Even though, even, not to say that these are the people that we are that would be part of something like this, but recognize the peacekeepers have a horrendous track record of raping, manipulating, coercing, sexual, you know, all kinds of stuff. There's been pedoph- pedophilic action. I mean, the peacekeepers have been called out for this all across the globe for not just being accused, but being caught trafficking young children, you know, abusing women. Same with the Red Cross. Doesn't mean it's all of it, right? But just an interesting point to think about because that's abuse of power. But nonetheless, my point to point to say is that these are focuses on topics that were non-existent up until suddenly right now. Not to say they weren't happening, not to say they're not important, but obvious how they pick and choose what to throw in front of you because they know what will emotionally manipulate you. And you weren't just you just weren't primed for ISIS or North Korea talk for a moment. So it wasn't going to have an effect on you. Now they know it will, because now you're back in foreign policy mode. Then I just thought this was fun. This was kind of a crossover of the COVID discussion I was going to make, but I'll do that more tomorrow. But I still want to play this for you. This is the same woman we just talked about, the, this you know darling of Fox News, apparently, of the Ukraine resistance fighting. And we're all... St- I had a, a thought about this, by the way, of all, all this big push about civilians standing up to fight against the... I guarantee that's going to turn into, oh, they're killing civilians on the front line. Well, wait, didn't, wait, didn't you arm those civilians and put them into the fight? So it's no longer civilians when you're fighting back. And plan to be part of the army. But, you know, just think about that. That's always about framing. This is a, a member of parliament who's showing her gun and saying, we're fighting for them. Think about how funny it is, by the way, that even the Democrat, the liberal media is promoting the same idea. Seconds ago, it was like, guns bad no matter what. Now we're like, yay, fight for freedom. It's just, they're all hypocrites, all of them. But Ukrainian member of parliament, quote, we are fighting not only for Ukraine, but for what, but also for what? What is she saying there? Let's take a listen. This is really interesting because of what it shows you I, I maybe it's the intentional they want people to subtly recognize the crossover either way this is the crossover of how i think the ukraine agenda is if not entirely in part in line with the greater reset agenda uh for the rest of us that aren't ukrainians i think the country when we did had thriller revolutions in our country when we did not agree with what was going on with uh, the direction of where we're moving in but right now it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for ukraine we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries we- ah okay great so she's fighting for the new world order if you think for any for a second that that was not that's by accident or that she just picked that up somewhere you're lying to yourself that does not get casually say, stated that the new world order is even denied in the mainstream circles when it's important. The point, guys, is that's tapping into the larger idea. That's Ukraine and their manipulated puppet government. She's a part of it. Tapping into the larger point, whether that's just to get people on the side of the liberal c- Congress that are not really in the know, but we'll see something like that and be like, yay, let's, let's embrace that. Or because there's something larger. We're doing this in support of the new world order. That's the Ukrainian government speaking on the record with Fox News. Isn't that interesting? You could take that for what you want. I find it to be very relevant. Now, 
To start off with the gas price conversation, a quick point about this. I think this is really interesting, and this will kind of begin the conversation of the misrepresentation, really, of the media by and large. But this is really interesting because, obviously, guys, the gas situation, the, the gas prices in general have been increasing long before this started. And to be quite honest, I've seen a, a big jump, but the, I think the majority of it was going up before even, but just by the hype of this happening. But yes, it has increased, obviously, because war tends to do that, as well as the fact that actions are being taken around the world to make this the case. So bottom line, you can say, yes, the 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 driven to the, the fact that the U.S. drove Russia into invading Ukraine, which is what happened, is part of it, obviously. And then you have to factor in how that was driven into action and maybe who has at least in part fault for that. But that's one part of the larger situation as some as as. Soki Donkey points out, does anyone believe this garbage where she says, uh, I think if I didn't download this, I'm not going to play it because I don't really feel like listening to Paskey's voice right now. But yeah, it doesn't look like I grabbed it because really I can just play it right here. But she says the reason why the price of gas is going up is not because the steps the president has taken. <laughs> no, no, no. Not the things he did that directly relate to that conversation. Not at all. You're fake news. It's because the president put Putin invaded Ukraine. That's it. That's the only reason on it's the they don't even buy that. I just find this absurdly ridiculous that they try to, this is the kind of thing that they, ju they just lay on top of it. Everything. There's half the conversations around the, the, the uh, political fervor when we're in the midst of something like in the middle of the Iraq war or right now, or in the midst of COVID it's just mindless. There's no due diligence. If they just state things left and right. And if it goes in line with the, the aggressively pushed narrative, then it's, then it gets, it goes. And if you step in and say anything against it, you're mad, you're crazy, you're going to get attacked, you're going to get censored, you might get fired. We all know how that works. And we're back in that right now. We're in the peak of this Ukraine-Russian madness where you're not allowed to say anything. And I'll, make a, I'll show you a point about this later on where there's a person who speaks up in Australia in a show and gives a very valid side of the, part, the point, whether you disagree with it or not, and he gets kicked off the TV show. It's like you can't even, even discuss these things. But the point being... The gas prices are only rising because Russia. That's it. That's the, that's the way they want this to spin. Not because of things happening in Yemen. Not because of things happening in Saudi Arabia. Not because of policies in this country. All of which have a direct effect on these prices. But who cares about that? It's just bad guy Putin, right? Probably because he's a Nazi, right? <laughs> just whatever. Just float whatever you want. It's because they want to state that. Now, all those things possible? Yes. But don't we need evidence today? Doesn't anybody care about evidence anymore? Apparently not in the mainstream media. Well, oh, I forgot about this one, though, right? House working on bill to what? To ban Russian oil imports. Okay, wait a minute. This is uh, the 6th. It's yesterday. So they're saying Putin's the reason. Now, this is happening afterward, nonetheless. But they're, now they're going, we're, gonna, we're discussing a bill to ban the imports of their oil, which will have a dramatic effect on it. But that's not the reason. It's, it's Russia. If they do this and it does have an effect, they'll still blame Russia. They'll say Russia's the reason. And we did the bill because they invaded and the bill made it bad. So Russia. That's not how that works. You took action, they increased it. It's the same reason they did with COVID-19 or however they try to frame this where it's like, it's your fault or that you did this, so we have to go in. So you're, you're at fault, right? Sorry, we murdered 10,000 people by invading your country, but you didn't do what we were, you said, excuse me, you didn't do what we said. So it's your fault. That's the Iranian example, not the invasion, excuse me, but the idea that they said, well, I believe it was Pompeo saying that if you don't do what we say, your people will starve. And they said that's their fault. Ru Iranians are starving their people, the government. That's what Pompeo actually framed it as, even though he said, if you don't do this, we'll starve your people. It's just absurd. So the point being is this is a built narrative. I believe this is, in fact, 
intentional, right? So this is going to build lead to what? The same things with the Great Reset conversation. It's going to lead to increased grass prices, lower supply chain, everything you would talk about. It's going to cause, I mean, don't forget the possibility of if you rise gas prices enough, increase them enough, or rather specifically increase the oil barrel price enough, people have argued for a long time that that could potentially have collapsing effects on the entire world economy. So think about what that would do for the Great Reset push. Reimagining. It collapsed. See, it's not good. We need to rebuild it. Just thoughts. Just thoughts. Now, on the idea of the gas price conversation, this is just fantastic because of how embarrassing it is for the very people that were second, just like the North Korea conversation. Moments ago, we were overwhelmed with Venezuelan propaganda. People had Venezuelan flags in their Twitter accounts, just like they do now. You know, what's the what's the, the social vir- the virtue signaling flag of the day? Oh, it's this one. Everyone just put, you know, whatever you're supposed to do, clap for the nurses, right? Well, moments ago, it was Venezuela. We all remember that. It was out of control. People were freaking out, eating pets, and they're killing people. None, almost all of this was fake news. Abby Martin proved this on the ground in regard to the animal part where they, in fact, were stealing high-quality small animals to sell them on the black market, and they turned that into they're taking in animals and they're eating because they're starving to death. Now, people were starving, but that's because of U.S. sanctions and everything they did there, just like in Yemen, just like in Iran, just like in every other place it's happening. Now, think about the context here with the people that they're hurting and what they're doing to them. It's the same thing they do in every situation they're involved in. But back to this point. Richard Medhurst, by the way, who I really want to connect with, not just because of this, but because he does great work on foreign policy and we're long overdue. He says the Americans crawling to Maduro and begging him for oil is some of the funniest S I have seen in ages. Now, the funny part about this is that they're creating the situation and now it's forcing them, if you want to see it this way, maybe there's, maybe there's more planning here than I realize, to, to, to step back into a situation that they just called off the table, right? Maduro, to my point before, the fervor, was the biggest threat to our democracy. I thought he was an absolute maniac murderer that was starving people to death, assassinating people, killing people. I mean, they, they made him out to be the biggest threat everywhere. They said that working with him was not possible. We need somebody else because he's a terrorist. Oh, I guess right up until then, it's useful for you, right? So he's never. we're never going to work with him because he's the worst person alive, except until we have a use from him, and then we're going to pretend he's good again. I mean, do you realize how dishonest the disingenuous this is so so either he was the bad a bad person or he wasn't either you have integrity and standards or you don't the same point they just made about the international standards they keep citing either there's a standard and nobody can invade a sovereign country or there isn't and you do it all the time u.s government so if you're pointing at them and acting like this is a big travesty of justice for not international law it's crazy that it's or at the very least it's hypocritical this part is ridiculous because this is embarrassing for them. Now they're coming back, potentially giving him back the billion dollars they already stole. And what happens to Guaido? You know, the actual president that they kept telling you. They kept screaming, he is the president. He's the president. You're all can fake news. And now they just remove him? He was never there. Does this look like democracy? Just they're flipping a coin. Today it's Maduro. Today it's Guaido. What works for us tomorrow? Just like Newland, discussing who they're going to put in place. This guy is a puppet. It's amazing. You know what it is? It's not You guys all see this. I argue most people can already see this. This is the illusion of the majority that they're pushing in mainstream media. The problem is that people who are invested in the lie from both sides of the two-party paradigm, one way or the other, are willing to go along with it, even though it's obvious. That's because it's in their interest to do so. They're invested in the lie. But this is just hilarious to me. And I really do think that uh, 
it's they're I mean they're going to try to frame this as some other situation. They're going to frame it as, and this is this in fact is how they're framing it. This is by the way the Washington Post. The U.S. officials make rare trip to Venezuela to discuss resuming oil imports, right? Like so, you're okay that he's hurting people. You're okay that he's starving people. You're okay that he's a terrorist. No, no, that's true. But that's what they're saying and what they were saying until seconds ago. So now you're working with the terrorist. Is that what you're trying to say? Like just like how we work with Saddam Hussein and they. And suddenly he was a bad guy, or they worked with Osama bin Laden and suddenly he was a bad guy, or that's how this works, guys. These people are villains. They use what they think you care about to manipulate what you want and what you ask for. If you think they care about what they frame as good and bad, you are a child because it's right in front of you. Just so you can see, I would do this because you, they block it with you know their paywalls, but U.S. officials travel to Venezuela, a Russian ally, as the West isolates Putin. You see, this is how they're framing it like a strategic move to isolate Putin from the world. Well, Maduro's not stupid. He's not going to just side with the U.S. government, especially with what they did. This is just flimsy framing to justify why they did something that undermines and, and contradicts what they were screaming about for the last how many years. It's embarrassing. And you should be embarrassed as an American when they do things like this. But what's funny about it is, oh, uh, wait, hold on. I thought I won, uh... That's interesting. I hope I didn't lose a page I had there. Oop, I hope I'm not freezing on my... Okay, good. Uh, let's see. Almost certain that I had something I was going to read to you guys about this. Oh, shoot, I might have accidentally closed one of these pages. Oh, good. Oh, that's why I was... That's funny. I'm always assuming these are paywalled. That's what almost all of them are. The point is when they don't paywall them, it's because they want you to read them, right? They want everyone to see it. They're pushing it in your face. That's why. Make sure you read this propaganda about why it's good that we're doing this. That's how they're doing it. But here's the point that I wanted to pluck out of this. When the U.S. and its allies began considering sanctions on Russian, Russian oil and gas exports this month, by the way, which is clearly rising the gas price, right? No, no, no. It's his invasion. It's not that. Just the idea of doing that raises the prices. They know that. It's on purpose. But it says when they did this to punish the country for devastating rot in Ukraine, devastation, right, which is going to hurt the government. <laughs> no, this hurts people. Prominent voices affiliated with both major American political parties pointed to Venezuela as a potential substitute. Right. The very people that were bleeding about how this was the worst person alive when it was good for their career. But now we're going to go go over there. Well-connected Republicans have been involved in talks about restarting the oil trade. Quote, we should take this opportunity to achieve a diplomatic win and a wedge between Russia and Venezuela. Trish Reagan, a former Fox business host and conservative media personality, called for an alliance with Venezuela to displace Russian oil from the U.S. market. So even if you believe that this is exactly how it went, can you not recognize that they, they're saying we're going to make an alliance with this very, very bad person that we've been screaming about is bad for 10 years or much longer than that? Like we were absolutely overwhelmingly propagandizing you with how bad this person really was and what they really were doing to everybody around the world and how dangerous it was. He's right there, but now we're going to work with him. I mean, we have to laugh at this. Venezuela has the largest source of oil reserves yet. We're handing that to Chinese and Russians. This is coming from Trish Reagan, former Fox business host. Now, let me ask you something from a nonpartisan standpoint, which hopefully most of you are coming from. Think about how that is framed. Venezuela is the largest source of oil reserves, which we all know. And they kept that quiet when they were trying to, you know, eyeing it very carefully, which is they still are. Now, clearly, it shows you that this is what they were ever always really after. Right. They wanted this. So when they kicked off this kind of thing, they weren't worried about oil. Right. That's how this works, guys. Same thing with Yemen and the way they're trying to circumvent the different straits on either side. I mean, it's, game, it's, it's a strategic game. But the point is, we're handing that to the Chinese and Russians, she says. How so? 
Now, please understand what she's saying. By not taking this from them, by not controlling that oil, which is not yours to control, not yours to take, but she's saying by not doing that, we're handing it to them. How does that even make sense? This is how, they, this is how the, the U.S. government mind works. If we don't steal it first, they're going to get it. But guess what? They're not going to steal it. Now, they might just because they're capable of that. But history has shown, especially with places like Venezuela or like Africa, with all sorts of resources, the, they are making mutual deals with these countries. Now, I will I happily admit that they're probably strong arming. They're probably getting better the because they're a major power. But at the end of the day, on the surface, on the record, they're agreeing from both sides and signing a document. That's not how the U.S. government operates. They point to those agreements that are mutual and they go, oh, we can't let the Russian bad guys get it. So we're going to take over that country or we're going to justify a regime change or we're going to deny their real election and stage one of our own. That's what the U.S. government does. That's very simple. So her point is saying if we don't do it, if we don't take it, control it, manipulate it ourselves, well, they might get it and we can't have that, even if it's done justifiably. Just realize how deceptive, dishonest that is. Now, it says before the U.S. imposed sanctions, Venezuela actually sent most of its oil to U.S. Gulf Coast, whose refineries were built specifically to process Venezuela's heavy grade of crude. Wait a minute. So you're telling me before you attacked them, they were already giving you the oil? Yeah. You absolute dishonest people. And here's what he says. Here's lie, here lies the oil of Venezuela, Maduro says, which is available for whomever wants to purchase or produce or buy it. Be it an, invest, an investor from Asia, Europe, or the United States. Think about that coming from a man who knows they've tried to assassinate him. He is trying to show integrity, in my opinion, or frame pretending to be that because it's strategic. I'll always point that out as well. But think about that. So as they try to frame it as this bad, evil person they've been trying to get it away from because China and Russia, now they're stepping back into bed and they're framing it as if they have to manipulate the situation to get what they want. And he's just like, I'll sell it to anybody, guys. I've always have, always have. And you, they are the villains. Hopefully you get that takeaway here. It doesn't have to mean that any government ever. It has to mean the people that are in power now and the people that have manipulated our government and our country are not on your side. They're really not seemingly on anybody's side but their own. But this is why we're seeing this conversation obviously relevant. Putin's energy shock is becoming a world food crisis. Brace for rationing. Well, these are all these ways that they're not just the connection to the Great Reset kind of discussions, but how they're just framing this dishonestly to drive in what they obviously wanted to create before this started because they discussed it, because they pointed at it. Here's March 4th. Putin's energy shock. Putin's energy shock. Despite all the actions they've taken, despite burning wheat fields in Syria and doing controlling oil in Syria, all these actions they've taken all around the world and destabilizing countries with all have effects on this stuff. But it's saying that Putin has had this effect. Now, one of the main things they point to in this regard is this fertilizer discussion, which I'm sure all of you have seen, especially those that watch partisan media. I talked about this, but just in case we missed it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, or someone said, I'm sorry, I thought you said farming, but framing. Farming is a good point as well. Think of all the stuff that happened in regard to the Great Reset. Or excuse me, the, exactly, the COVID-19 reset. They destroyed the supplies, everything. Farming got shut down. But yeah, it's Putin's fault that we're realizing how far behind we are, right? This is clearly orchestrated. But just to make it clear again, in case you didn't see it, here's Bloomberg on March 4th. I just I, Please read the article if you want. Actually, I don't think I have it in the show notes. This is the image. But just look up the title that we talked about in the last show. Russia jolts global fertilizer market by seeking end to exports. They reported that on March 4th. By framing it that the fertilizer action was done recently and that it was going to immediately affect the markets. But wait a minute. Did they 
miss or fail to look into the reality that this happened on February 2nd, long before this ever started. And they very clearly discussed this as justifiable for plenty of other reasons that have nothing to do with the current, even before with the tension, Russia bans ammonium nitrate exports until April. They even have an end date. They came out and said, we're doing this. Here's why. And we're going to end it in April. It had nothing to do with the situation. And they said to support domestic farmers. But yet now, because they don't, they, most Americans have no idea about that. They just lie. And they go, oh, they just did this fertilizer thing and that's going to hurt everybody. See, Putin's bad. That They don't even care that you're smart enough to find this, to know that they're lying because they're not even aiming it at you. They don't care about you. They're aiming at the lowest common denominator that they dishonestly frame as the majority. Now, this brings us into, God, I, this is freezing like crazy on me. I, let me know in the chat if there's a, an issue. Also, by the way, I forgot to ask. Let me know in the chat if the audio is okay. Up, down, low. I want to make sure the different locations are the same, and I'm trying to work that out. But hey, just let me know if you guys in the chat, if you're seeing any disruption, because I'm definitely having slow computer problems right now. But this is the mainstream media before this whole situation. And we've shown you a lot of this. I mean, I'm talking like, I mean, I'm going to very briefly point to that Newsweek article again, just because it's January, 2022. And they were saying the same stuff, but right now, actually what's interesting, well, up until like yesterday, this was fake news. But I think because of Whitney's article, I think because of our work, and I think of those that are being honest in independent media's work covering this topic have driven them to admit what they second, what were seconds ago calling fake news. And I love seeing that. How embarrassing for them. But first, before we get there, Angela sent me this really great uh, meme kind of collage that had all these different titles that I, I had to look all of them up. And I found most of them that say the opposite of what we're hearing today. Here is The Guardian. Welcome to Ukraine, the most corrupt nation in Europe. Hmm. We'll make sure we realize that's 2015. So this is the puppet U.S. government, right? Now, you may try to argue. Ah, come on, there we go. You may try to argue that somehow this is, you know, they're still trying to recover from, you know, the, what they did before. And it, it's, I'll, get, I'll show you clearly that's not the case. This is the puppet government, Poroshenko, I believe, at the time completely taking advantage of the what's the right word I'm looking for the the oligarchy the the the, the despotic situation that the US government has created and that, that's a reason that they created it so they could control the situation but geez this is freezing on me so much right now but that's 2015 so how can it be simultaneously well I got I wouldn't argue simultaneously because I mean this is years back but we'll come we'll bring it right out to 2022 but how can it be the most corrupt nation in Europe, yet also be a democracy, yet also be, well, <laughs> I, I'm framing this as their narrative. You know, I think that makes sense perfectly because democracies are absolutely just another government and it's just another word. It always ends up in top-down control from condensed authority. Governments, that's what governments do. The framing as them different is just politics. It's about you and what you want in personal responsibility that's why i believe more in you know anarchism liberator, liber, liberal anarchism or anarcho libertarian what's the term now i've probably said that in a while liberal uh anarcho libertarianism that's what it is you know just kind of a blending of it but anyway i don't associate with any term really because my some of my thoughts are all over the map but at the end of the day i believe in the idea that government is the central problem here or rather just the way that we understand it today can't be most corrupt nation in Europe and be what they keep saying it is. It just can't. 
still freezing. Yes, I, mean, I thought I had something down here. I'm trying to scroll, but I think this is going to freak out on me. <laughs> Shoot. All right. Well, let's go to the next one. Okay, man, this is this might be tricky. Let me see what I can do here, guys. I'm having real big trouble right now. Okay, well, I don't see what else I can do. I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep going. But it's. I'm. It's. This is gonna be. I'm gonna give you a heads up now. If it stays like this, it's gonna be really difficult for me to continue. <sighs> Shoot. All right. Well, I'm just waiting because I can't even get this page to come up. Okay, here we go. All right. This this is exactly why this stuff happens, guys. So it's just not seamless, you know. I'm telling you that right now. But continuing forward, we're talking about the idea that this is the this is the mainstream mainstream media then versus now. Okay, so before most corrupt nation in Europe. Right? Well, here's a secret document. Now, and as we go through all of this, ask yourself why the government right now or the corporate media doesn't acknowledge this stuff fair has a great article we'll get to in a minute that calls this out but secret court documents exposes state looting in ukraine look at that current ukrainian leaders this is the u.s puppet government ex-financial advisors named as brokers and transactions linked to 1.5 billion fraud of predecessor now this does tie in back to the earlier government but this is interesting the way you can clearly see 100 percent that this is currently the situation. And what I will argue is that they can't really connect this to the earlier government without just assuming that it must have been. And you'll see what I mean. Now, it could, and it could be, certainly. I don't trust, like I said, that's the point. Governments are not something we should be trusting. But what you'll see here is that the subjective point is it's clearly now in the 2018 year that we're in, in this article's time frame, and that they're claiming that, well, it's happening now, so it must have been from before. And it, like you'll, it, it's... I think an effort to frame it from before when clearly it's connected to what's currently happening. A secret Ukrainian court ruling has, for the first time, exposed exactly how former President Yanukovych stole nearly $1.5 billion from the country. It also revealed that President Poroshenko's former financial advisors played a role in the fraud. So however you spin this, it's both the U.S. puppet government and the one before. So this would line up exactly with how I feel. The idea that government, the previous Ukrainian government was probably fraudulent, just not in the ways the U.S. government wanted, right? They wanted to be able to have, have them be dishonest in the ways they like. So they got him out of the way and put this person in play and continued the fraud because they're all like this. But it says that the, the uh, it revealed, oh, the, the embarrassing the government, the, the Poroshenko government and the U.S. government. Okay, and let's see, here we go. During the time, I don't know if you guys can see it on the screen. I don't, it, anyway. During the time of the, uh, the Yanuk Yanukovych fraud, it says the finance firm was led by Ukraine's central bank governor, Valeria Gontarvi, Gontariva, a close ally of Poroshenko's, right? So just recognize right there that there's still a crossover to that government that they put in place. Now it says, according to the secret document released by Al Jazeera on Wednesday, ICU brokered the purchase of dollar denomination bonds on behalf of eight Cypriot companies. They were later traced to Yanukovych, who was overthrown in February 2014 by the U.S. government. A military court in East Ukraine quietly handed down the secret ruling on March 2017, listing hundreds of companies that were effectively a pipeline for siphoning cash out of the country. So basically what we're seeing is a clear way that they were siphoning money from the people. 
Now, you could, argue, you could argue that was happening there, or you could argue this is something that was happening in 2017, and it was framed as happening in 2014, because they didn't get the documents until 2017. Just something to think about. But it says, the whole financial network was described as a criminal enterprise headed by Party One, Yanukovych, who is self-exiled in Russia. So this is what they're, they're saying. He's over there doing this. But I don't see, and you can read it for yourself, anything that actually proves that other than the documents, which they claim must have been because they were from a situation that he was involved in that got passed over to Poroshenko, or that's what's being framed as. The prosecutor general only, by the way, I'm just giving you hypotheticals. Either way, both of them here are culpable for crimes that your government today would not want you to see on one side of it. The prosecutor general only revealed the 1.5 billion asset seizure two months later. This is the prosecutor under the Poroshenko government announcing that the court papers would not be published under state secrecy laws. So why in the world would the U.S.-backed government not want to publish things about what they're clearly trying to expose about the person from before? Probably because it doesn't show what they're saying it shows. That's my thought. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? Wouldn't they want to put this everywhere? On paper, the money begin begins belongs to a shadowy network of Cypress offshore companies. Prosecutors declared them as a front for Yanukovych and his associates now in Russia. So this is what they're framing it as, right? Without a trial, there could be no finding of guilt. Without a guilty verdict, Ukraine had no lawful way to declare the money the proceeds of crime. Without a court judgment, the money was beyond the reach of the state. Oh, too bad. Are we really going to pretend that these technocrats and these oligarchs and these absolute authoritarians would not just take it? My point if they're framing this as, oh, we just, now we just can't do anything about it, so it's just left up in the air. This is a framed story, in my opinion, that's saying we're going to keep taking money, and this, this pipeline is still there, but we can't do anything about it, and we're going to blame him over there. Or they're still stealing money for the people and using it for whatever they want and just pointing somewhere else and going, too bad, we can't even look into it, though. Too bad. The stolen government bonds continued playing a large dividend paying a large dividend, meaning the country's exiled oligarchs stood a profit funded by Ukraine's beleaguered taxpayers, or it's going right into the pockets of the U.S. public government while they frame the person they've always been framing for everything that happened. As we know they lied about everything else, why would we take their word at this? Interesting. Now, this one's even more important. This is the Atlantic Council, and you're well aware of who these people are. You know, the fact checkers for Facebook and, you know, really the manipulators about what they're allowed to put on, on the platform. Ukraine's deadly profession. 2016, three journalists attacked in July. This is really obvious. This is about the U.S.-backed government in 2016, right? Two years after this, if, or more, two, more than two years after, after the overthrow of the government and the as we play in the beginning where u.s backed people shot people and they blamed it on the other government which happens all the time they're pointing out that journalists are being openly attacked western journalists american journalists foreign journalists from all around the world any of them should matter so why doesn't this matter today knowing that this is the same group on july 20th investigative journalist pavel shermet was assassinated in kiev in kiev it would be easy to dismiss Shermet's murder as an outlier. Unfortunately, the Atlantic Council, this government, obviously connected U.S. government think tank is, you know, you, you could take this directly as U.S. government propaganda, at least at the time. So why, why are they putting this out? 
at the very, and regardless of why, ask yourself how this can be there 2016. And yet today they're acting like this is a shining beacon of democracy. Because if this happens anywhere, this is one of those points where the journalists are being attacked and, you know, there's wealth inequality. These are all like tenets of supposedly third world countries, which, by the way, U.S. government is top on most of them right now, even though we pretend that's not the case for this country. Unfortunately, it's anything but an outlier. His death is merely the most drastic example of the steady deterioration of press freedom in Ukraine in recent months. Right. So recent months. So well after two years into this U.S. puppet government and in this recent few months, they've seen a steady deterioration of press freedom. So either the U.S. doesn't care about that because they never pointed this out or they made it happen. Think about it. Why, why would they lie about this today? Because they're desperate to rewrite the reality of, of, of Ukraine in general, because this is a central part of what they're trying to do. One day before Shermet's murder, Maria Rydvan, the editor of Forbes Ukraine, was stabbed three times in Kiev. She'd been walking down the park of the Kiev Polytechnic Institute. Fortunately, her injuries were only minor. The editor of Forbes Ukraine just randomly stabbed in the middle of Kiev. On July 25th, 25th the head of Business Censor was beaten in the well-to-do Perdil section of Kiev by two men who took nothing from him. All right, this sounds like a, a striving democracy, doesn't it? Christina, uh, Ber, uh, hard to pronounce last name, a reporter from the New York Times Magazine, the New Time Magazine, excuse me, who often writes about Ukraine's oligarchs, said she has received multiple death threats in recent months. No charges have been brought against any suspects. So we're talking about the very oligarchs that the U.S. government put in place. These are op- these are mainstream Western journalists that are saying, I'm, "I'm these people that you put in place, U.S. government, are threatening my life. Nobody cares. Well, I wonder why. After Shermet's murder, Ukrainian authorities promised Olina Prutula, Shermet's partner and the owner of U- Ukrainska Pravada, the, a security detail, Shermet had been driving the, her, her partner's car, I believe it's her, uh, when the bomb went off. Prosecutor General Lou Tisenko stated that he was opened a case against Troyanov, uh, Troyanov, who was the first deputy head of the Ukrainian National Police. Isn't that interesting? So the prosecutor brings a case against the national. By the way, don't forget the crossover of the police force and the Azov Battalion. And the it's, I mean, I use the Azov just because that's the name that brings the that reminds her people. But it's not just that battalion anymore. And it's never been just a volunteer group. That's what the, I'm going to make a huge point about this as the ridiculous Western press, corporate media comes out and tries to argue still, this is a small little group as they admit it now because we're exposing it and it's already not the case. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I can't wait to get to that point today, but the national police know that that's crossed over, know that the entire government and the entire military and the police force and the inter- interior of the ministry and all these groups are immersed, intertwined with these white supremacist neo-Nazis that have been driven into reality because of the U.S. government. That's what the real issue is that they're trying to frame happening in the United States. This is a psychological operation. That's why I keep saying Ukraine is the new Syria. As Whitney Webb coined in her article, that that, that, Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. That's what we show in the beginning. That's what we're talking about all through all of this. They are building this threat to use it against you. Now, it said at the head of the national police, bringing a case against him, and he'll be questioned after he returns from his holidays. But their common boss, Minister of Interior, also very, I mean, literally immersed, crossed over completely with the very groups we just discussed. In fact, the, in, the in Ministry of Interior was the group that created that, the Azov Battalion. 
claim that these suspicions against him were without merit. Great. So the police group that they were going to investigate called, tapped into their other group that created their white supremacist direction. And they said, no, get out of here. This isn't without merit. After they had you know, murdered somebody, essentially. This is what the argument is anyway. It's unclear who was behind Shermet's murder, but critics have accused the government of harassing and trying to silence Nettleson journalists over the past several months. Right. That's what they, this is very clear. By the way, we're going to get into another person who we just reported ahead of the mainstream media yet again, who was murdered in the Russian delegation, or rather the Ukraine delegation in Russia. Now, even the mainstream is reporting on it. But all this ties back into this kind of conversation. These people are being taken out by the Ukrainian government, and they're just framing that as okay. This guy was shot in the head right outside a courthouse. And it's for, they're, it's for freedom, they say. I'm not even making this up. It's unclear who's behind this, he says. It uh, goes on to say, April 26th, the Ukrainian government banned the country's top television host. Right, so think about that in the context of what they're freaking out about. Russia's censoring and they're removing news outlets and they don't believe in free press. And it's exactly what their government did too. And exactly what the U.S. government's currently doing to RT and Sputnik and whatever else. It's absurdly hypocritical. I mean, it's, it makes my teeth hurt how ridiculous this all is. Like I can't stand trying to give, pretend like this makes sense. And this is Savik Shuster, a Canadian national now, Shuster hosts Ukraine's most popular Russian language talk show, Shuster Live. Four million people tune in each week. Now, some of the speculated, some have speculated that Shuster may have annoyed President Poroshenko, the U.S. puppet, personally on one of his April shows, which simply shows you that the pre that this puppet just removed him from the air because that's what that's free press, that's democracy, right? That's what the U.S. government would say. Chester asked his audience to respond to the president's claim to that he was a shown deter and excuse me asked his audience to respond to the president's claim to that he was has shown determination in the fight against corruption. Obviously that's ridiculous. Same with Zelensky. It's ridiculous to pretend they're fighting corrupt. That's how they still frame it today. 93% of the audience disagreed with the statement. You know what that shows you? Ukrainians do not believe in this government despite what the western press screams at you. In May, Ukrainian hackers leaked the names and contacts at the details of more than 4,500 journalists. Uh, producers, stringers, translators, drivers, all sorts of people. And in and, and, and areas specifically under the control of the, the Donbass region. Why would they do that? The journalists work for major international media outlets like Reuters, BBC, Associated Free Press, Al Jazeera, nonprofits like Human Rights Watch. So they released their information, personal details about these people because they were what? Reporting on a situation that they didn't want covered. The website on which the leak appeared was co-founded by Anton Harashenko, and a member of parliament and advisor to Ukrainian interior minister. Oh, look at that. Yet again, the Ministry of Interior. Recognize what's happening here. These are bad people that are murdering journalists, attacking, releasing their details. Your government doesn't care. Wherever you are. In the West, I guess. <laughs> 4,500. Now, he also, this person, this member of parliament, an advisor to the openly white supremacist interior of the ministry, he also published a list on his Facebook page. So here is a member of the Ukrainian public government who's literally posting d details of Reuters, BBC, Associated Free Press journalists. Excuse me, uh, that's that. I always do that. Uh, uh, French Press Agency, AFP. 
and, and just releasing them on his Facebook page. That's a huge deal. Not only is that doxing, but you're literally putting their lives in danger if you pretend that that's what's happening. On top of the fact that it's because what you don't like what they're doing. He accused the journalist on a list of aiding terrorists and spreading Russian propaganda. So simply because they were even remotely in that discussion over there, maybe actually talking to Donbass people and finding out that they were being shelled and bombed and attacked for eight years straight. Can't have that, right? Can't have anybody knowing that. Uh, he praised the publication of the list and blamed the journalist for registering with the separatists. You see, they did this, guys. They made this happen because they didn't like that they were even remotely talking to them. This is the kind, these are the kind of people that the U.S. government has always classically, historically supported. From the terrorists in Syria, from the very people, I mean, you could go around the world and look at any situation and point out who they are supporting against the people on the ground. And it's never the people supported, the, the ones supported by the people. It's never the people that are actually there to fight for the actual sovereignty of the country, and on and on and on. Never. I don't know why we keep buying this. Look at the places they've destroyed. Look at the people in Iraq and Afghanistan, Syria and Libya and Yemen and every place they're affecting. None of them are good. None of them are having a thriving democracy. And it's not, I'm not, I'm not I shouldn't even say democracy, a thriving society. Because they have destroyed them under a guise of saving them. On, on May 24th, this, this publication released a second, no, the, that was the, oh, it's a, this website released a second list. That included the home addresses of 239 Ukrainian and international journalists working in Russia. Poroshenko said it was a mistake. Oops. Poroshenko, the puppet government from the U.S. There's no misunderstanding what's happening here. Sheremet's murder was murder sent a chilling signal, said former vice reporter in a July 27th interview, Simon Ostrovsky. Quote, to a lot of journalists in Ukraine, it feels like a return to the bad old days of the 1990s when reporters were attacked and murdered and the perpetrators were unpunished. Can we not? This is in the midst of the U.S. puppet government. You will not hear this today. Ukraine's friends and backers must continue to highlight all the attacks, harassment, violence that journalists face. Journalists in Ukraine are counting on the West to draw attention to the uptick in violence. And what do they do? Nothing. They ran from it. Can't have them realizing what we're building over there. You guys shut up about that. And then they did because they know what their they're marching orders. Here is, oh, looks like it's not as good. It's not freezing on me anymore. Here is April 30th, 2016. Do Ukraine's leaders understand freedom of the press? Now it says, on Tuesday, Ukraine authorities banned the country's top television anchor. Right? Just so you can see this in even foreign policy. This is, this is the person we just talked about, the Shuster person. They are, and, and even foreign policy is going, do they even understand free press? How do we not recognize that this is the same thing? It's, by the way, exactly what's happening today. But again, like I said, when you're in the midst of the propaganda fervor, the mania, the psychosis, it just doesn't matter. You, won't, you, could, you point to this now, you'll be called a terrorist. And that's happening. The problem is it's happening now, too, and it's happening on, on all sides. And if Ukraine does it, it's for freedom, just like the, everything else we talk about. And that's just embarrassing because I believe most people see this now. Now, this is. Oh, actually, that was oh, that was why I did that. So this this basically. Coming off of this conversation where the journal is being attacked. I wanted to read this one part. To recognize where this is coming from, the battalion, and this is coming from the expert on the topic. The Azov Battalion was established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior after the conflict broke out, was later transferred to the National Guard. Now, they really want this to be some small volunteer thing they try to frame it as. 
but it's just not the case. And now coming forward to 2018, IMF, International Monetary Fund, ranks Ukraine as Europe's poorest country. Now, gee, why would that be? Maybe because they've been siphoning off funds for a long time and it's continued all the way through to 2018? Like, ask yourself this. If this document wasn't exposing a funneling of funds that was continuing, how would it be from 2015 all the way to 2018 that it's just still the problem? Even worse now? They're poorer in this point than they were before. That's because they continue to steal money from the people and frame it as somebody else in Russia doing it without any evidence because they don't need it. That's how this works. Ukraine's gross domestic product per capita and current prices in U.S. dollar terms stood at $2,964. It basically says that they uh, that makes them the poorest country in Europe behind Moldova, Belarus, and, and Russia. So they, they step in and it gets worse like every other time. We're talking four or maybe four years since they happened, but five, three years since the discussion of the, of the secret documents. But four years later, four years later of U.S. occupation for freedom, liberty, even though it's not, they claim that's not what's happening, and they are worse off than they've ever been. Shocking, I know. Here's something you might find very relevant, and we're going to make a point about this later in the show. This is from 2020. Hate crimes against LGBT people in Ukraine. Quote, the attacks have become more and more organized. This doesn't line up with what we're hearing, does it? We're hearing it. Russia's the one doing bad stuff and the Ukraine's a, a haven of safety for these people. I mean, it's just pathetic how the very people in the mainstream Western press, the corporate media, I gotta stop saying mainstream, will run screaming from this, which they see this stuff. They must know. They must either convince themselves it's fake news because they don't want to recognize that it's challenging what they're told or they don't care, which means they're dishonest. Ukraine is a very dangerous place, far more dangerous than Russia for most anybody we're talking about right now. That's no way to suggest that these things might not be dangerous in Russia. I mean, the reality from Russia is impossible to talk about because it's so grossly misrepresented. But as always, my point is I don't trust any government, so I would have no doubts that there are things happening to people that we would not agree with. But the point is, oh, you know what? I was going to come back to this just simply to point out that this is what we're talking about they're discussing a topic of hate crimes against LGBT communities in Ukraine and how this is a problem, that this is happening from the current government and it's, and it's, it's a big deal. And they're, they're basically trying to frame it as, you know, there are some there are things happening, but it's not really working. There's a lot, there's a lot in here. You can read it for yourself. But the bottom line is they're not safe. And we're going to make a big point about this in a minute, about how they're trying, even the, I think it's vice painfully tries to reframe what happened to people right now or hearing that LGBTQ people are apparently not being allowed to flee. They're saying, well, you're actually a man, so you can't run. You got to take a gun. Oh, we're horrified, right? You can't, how dare you? They're actually a woman now. You know, that that's what's happening. And the Ukrainian government's like, we don't care. These openly white supremacists that don't like these are going, we don't care. Get a gun. And they're all open arms, but guess what? They won't frame it like that. They're going to frame it as they can't flee Russia. I swear, it's so embarrassing how they're openly dishonest about how they frame these things. Here is 2021. Look how close we are to what's happening right now. Ukrainian president's rule becomes increasingly corrupt authoritarian. April 2021. Apparently, apparently he just turned the whole thing around into a, the striving, a, 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 not striving, what's the right word? A, a, uh, you know, budding democracy of the world and months later, right? Obviously not. 
It has recently become clear that Ukrainian President Zelensky loves kleptocracy as much as his predecessor, Poroshenko. Both are puppets of the U.S. government. Zelensky has consistently protected corrupt officials from prosecution, which we just went over, and killed anti-corruption reforms. In fact, we went over Poroshenko's version of that. Now he and his inner circle have destroyed two of Ukraine's most high-profile graft cases. Like, they're just not going after people. Like, the idea that they're supposed to be anti-corruption is painfully incorrect. Openly the opposite. And all that makes it seem like the, the only thing that floats this idea is the Western media knowing their marching orders. Ukrainian President Zelensky deepens alliance with far right. April 30th, 2021. This says it's proving that Zelensky is seeking to appoint a far right uh, uh, Steranenko as his head of Ukraine security service, the SBU. Now, that will be very relevant in a moment, guys, because the SBU are the ones that just shot that person in the head. These are people that are directly tied to the, the, the exact the thing that's completely overtaken their government, guys. We need to be honest about this. Amidst the ongoing military confrontation, reports have emerged proving that Ukrainian President Zelensky is seeking to appoint. That's happening now, guys. Appointing Steranenko as the head of Ukraine's service, the SBU. Security service in an attempt to further his alliance with the neo-Nazi forces. Now, why would he do that? Because that is the point. Because he knows that he's supposed to work with this group because that's why he's been put there. This is a, this is a massive agenda. Now, there, I mean, the only reason I'm saying that with such certainty is because it's undeniable. I'll make it more clear as we go through it. The CIA has been building this since 2015. They're, on, they're stating that right now. They just say we did it because we're because bad guy Russia. Well, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't even really matter at this point. They're openly stating they've been building towards an insurgency. Now, how can it be an insurgency before Russia invades? Think about that, because they've driven they drove and they've driven this into action. The point is, guys, this is long before this all kicked off, and it's open. So, how can he be? How can this be fake news if it's openly happening in front of you? And even the mainstream was reporting on it before they started calling it fake news. Right up until they right now started admitting it again. That's how dumb they are. Or you know, dumb isn't the right word for that. That's how dishonest they are. As the former head of the neo-Nazi right sector, again, remember how many times we keep bringing up the right sector as the, as the flags we keep showing you, as even the Western press is pointing at them. Look, look at them helping the citizens arm the bad, you know, they're fighting back against bad guy Russia. And you can look at the sort of the right sector patch on his arm. These people are openly neo-Nazi and the Western press is willfully misrepresenting that. In fact, ignoring it, running from it. Sterenenko the one that they're going to they're placing at the head of the SBU directly implicated in the 2014 trade unions house massacre of 46 people. He is a convicted criminal and currently under investigation for murder. But yeah, democracy, right? It's a shining beacon of democracy in the world. So says the Western press. Unbelievable. Here is August 30th, 2021. Far right ideology has cemented itself in Ukraine under Zelensky. And Ukraine has more politicians in Pandora Papers than any other country in the world. Refer, look it up for yourself. We can look at Pandora Papers we talked about. And as we said at the time, it was a very limited hangout. But guess what? More people from the Ukraine puppet government than anywhere, including Zelensky himself. I guess they just forgot to mention that part of it, right? 38 Ukrainian politicians, 38 puppet Ukrainian politicians were named in the Pandora Papers, including Zelensky himself. In fact, Ukraine had more politicians pop up in the leak than any other country in the world. Even Russia took a second. Then we know that we know that some of that has to be manipulation. And we don't know that, but I would argue that anything like that is going to be manipulated so it can frame them a certain way. 
In no way does it suggest that they're not corrupt like anybody else. But the point here is to show that this is obviously contrary, contrary to what they want you to think. For many, these revelations are at odds with the anti-corruption platform that brought Zelensky and his team to power. Exactly. It says, that said, not all the financial activities outlined in the Pandora Papers are necessarily illegal. Indeed, or there was part down here, I think it was a uh, press secretary, Paskey, said the Pandora Papers won't change dialogue between these people. Of course not. When we have evidence they're breaking the law, it won't change. It's sort of when Trump said, you know, we know Saudi Arabia is murdering people and that they're a despotic country and they're absolutely authoritarian, but we need to sell weapons, don't we? You know, that's the saying, the quiet part out loud. The point is that these people are criminals. We just caught them being criminals. We caught them doing the thing we you tell us they aren't doing. But then they just go, but that doesn't matter, though, because we're freedom and democracy. Right, exactly. As always, hypocrites, deceivers. Now, this brings us over to where they are right now. Right, so then versus now. So moments ago, and, I, I, and you, as you know, I could have gone on forever. Endless amounts of discussions from every outlet you could possibly point to saying these people are bad or, you know, rather just not, not bad, but so much that they're just saying, pointing out that this isn't what we think it is, that it's not a democracy, that in fact, it's the most corrupt nation on earth. And that's not because of before, it's more so because of what they're doing now, what they've done to the country, what they're continuing to do, murdering journalists and so on and not doing anything about it. Right. That's what we're talking about. But now. Apparently, it's become the budding democracy or the oh now it's freezing oh please don't shut down on me all right now if i can get it to move apparently ukraine's democracy is almost all grown up right so it less than less i mean it was six months ago or i guess no it would be i don't want to look back to the tab let's just say less than a year ago this was a uh, this was the most corrupt place. You know, this was a bad place that was not democracy, and they were hurting people, and and so on and so on. But now, because of propaganda, because narrative shift, suddenly they're almost they're they're good. They're democracy, and Russia's bad guy. How can it go, how can it be the most corrupt place on the planet? How can they be stealing? How can they be killing journalists? How can all of this be the reality last year, and yet now it's almost good to go? Or when you look else, elsewhere, it is good to go. Ukraine invasion spotlights the delicate state of democracy. That is Ukraine is what they're saying. No, no, it's not. You know, how, there's, democracy, first of all, again, is not even remotely what people pretend it is. But on top of that, this is a puppet regime that Victoria Newland on the record said that they handpicked. That's not an election. There's no democracy here. This is a regime change in action. But it's embarrassing how they frame it. Here's CNN, as always, one of the worst. Ukrainians are giving two lessons in democracy that Americans have forgotten. Right, you mean the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists? Which one, CNN? I'll declare that, clarify that for me. The point is they're lying to you. Suddenly it's a shining democracy, as I keep saying. It's never been that in regard to or post. I mean, as far as I could tell, it seems like it's always been manipulated and, and, and a lot's been going on. But as far as I could tell, clearly from 2014 forward, at the very least, it was a regime change puppet government. And they've been building a white supremacist threat ever since. Ukrainians are fighting a people's war, they say, and everyone is involved from top to bottom. Right. This is my point about arguing that they're going to frame this as killing civilians because they're using civilians. Now, what's the difference here? How do we not know that some of these people are not being forced to fight, just like in Syria? And they framed it the same way there. They're talking about arming children as if that's some kind of a freedom movement. You're literally using child soldiers. How do we not see how crazy that is? 
Think about how backwards it is for the media to argue that arming children, that's just what they've already discussed. I keep showing you that image of a child holding an AK-47. That's the Azov battalion that was arming them. I'll get to the, I don't want to jump too far. I want to get to the fair article in a minute where they call this out. But the point being is that's, how is that not a child soldier? Whether he volunteers or not, which I doubt that's what's happening. It's just blatant misrepresentation. And this one was Washington Post, of course. As always, you know, sort of how Osama bin Laden can literally be a warrior of peace, which was a headline in Washington Post. And then seconds later, he's the biggest threat to our democracy, right? Exactly. Fighting for a people's war alongside the Nazis, though, right? Yeah, the term they keep using. And here, by the way, here's what the headline actually says before they updated it. It says, Ukrainians are seeing democracy in action. I think they've realized how stupid that statement is and how tired it is. I'm I'm just, uh, I'm just... Uh, emotional at the sight of democracy in action or whatever the nonsensical, these meaningless blow-dried idiots say on the mainstream media talking points. Democracy in action. How is it even remotely democracy in action when you're watching a war? Uh, you know, that's just pathetic. But that's the point. Democracy, democracy, democracy. It's all about democracy, except moments ago we were calling them out for being corrupt. Well, here is what's actually happening. I mean, there's a lot of examples of stuff like this. And we just pointed out, I mean, we literally just looked at the, the of this is the Atlantic Council of all people openly calling out the puppet government of killing journalists. But today it's fake news, right? Except here we are. And this isn't even a journalist. This is a, a politician. Ukrainian peace negotiator is shot dead, quote, in attempt, attempted arrest by the SBU. The group we just pointed out has their leader as one of the prominent members of the white supremacist movement in the Ukrainian government. Appointed by Zelensky himself. They claim, or amid claims, that he was a Russian spy. Well, wouldn't you imagine a democracy that they would have some kind of due process? That they would say, we think you're a spy, therefore we're now going to put you on trial? Nope, they just popped him back of the head right in front of the courthouse. The government called him a hero, but claimed he was suspected of treason. Yeah, that makes sense, right? I think they're getting confused about who they are, like how the U.S. government just calls the people a hero that they kill themselves. But see, they also called them treasonous. So, oops, <laughs> kind of mixed that one up, didn't you? A Ukrainian peace negotiator has been shot dead ahead of the latest rounds of talks to end the war amid claims he was a Russian spy. Ukraine's Ministry of Defense said that Denis Kareev, 45, was a spy and former banker who was killed during an operation to defend the nation. Yeah, that's what they said. It's defense, apparently, to shoot someone. Like, even if he was a spy, you understand, isn't there some level of process where you prove that? But it doesn't matter because this isn't a democracy and this isn't any kind of process. These are criminals. They're running governments. That's what this is. After his death, the government hailed him as a hero, but MPs claimed he was shot and killed by Ukraine's Secret Service and res after resisting arrest on suspicion of treason. Now, I'm not even, I don't, I'm not, I don't know any, I don't know if this person is good or not, whether he did bad things or not. The bottom line was, it's not what they claim this peace people are. I mean, wouldn't you be up? Wouldn't you have a huge issue if American police forces shot someone in the back of the head and just left his body in the ground and said that was for defending our country? Yeah, because that's that's because we were at least led to believe there's some kind of democratic process here. Well, that's what they're saying there. Except that's not how that works. Nowhere they claim it is. Look at Saudi Arabia's democracy, right? Well, here are some pictures that we showed you before. Here he is sitting at the delegation. Down here, it says Russia claimed he was killed by the Security Service of Ukraine, SBU, while senior Ukrainian politicians claimed he died while in SBU detention. So either way, guys, 
By the way, the point is there's been people that have already openly stated that he was killed by the SBU, not while detained, just died. That's just them trying to run from what happened. But either way, it's the SBU. They're admitting this is the group we just pointed to that is literally being led by an openly white supremacist neo-Nazi person who is driving in the same agenda that is being funded and armed by the U.S. government. Pretty clear how this is looking, right? Now here, oh, that was just for that so I don't lose the link. Here's an image that somebody sent to me of this person on the ground. It's blurred out slightly, so I apologize if it's graphic for you. But this is the person in, just on the ground. So let's let's make sure we realize the absurd claim that he just died while in custody is clearly false. They don't even care that we can see that. Right, someone in the chat saying it's not just the Alza Battalion. Like, ho- hopefully you heard me say that a moment ago. That's the point. The Alza Battalion is the term I use to make sure we can tie it to our minds. But as I keep pointing out, it's completely immersed with the government, the military, all of it. It was appointed by the Ministry of Interior. It is now part of the National Guard, part of the police forces. I've made this clear a thousand ways over. Even the Newsweek article makes that very clear back in the beginning of the year. But now it's fake news, apparently. But the point being, how can he be dead in the street, which is clearly, by the way, the street where he is is in front of the courthouse. This has been this is the reality when he died in detention. Can we not take a minute and realize how willfully dishonest the security service of Ukraine is? The Western press that can also prove this, that doesn't care to report that? They're all lying to you. And it's that easy to see. Died while in detention. No, he didn't. (laughs) Right there. Good God. I mean, it's amazing how dishonest these people are. Now, by the way, before we go into the next part, I wanted to share share this with you. I saw this today. Now, as we just clearly showed, and we'll make it more clear in the next part, these groups are not secret. They've been funded, and we'll get into this again as we go through this today, in regard to the, as Whitney and I discussed, the coming Ukrainian insurgency they talked about where they openly admit they've been training these people back since 2015. And I've, I hope we've made abundantly clear that these people are exactly what we say that they are, that they are in fact the, uh, the white supremacist, neo-Nazi type groups that we are, that are being discussed in Newsweek and everywhere else before we got here, openly neo-Nazi ideology, right? That they're immersed with the interior, the ministry or the national guard and so on and so on, right? This is obvious. So with those two points in your mind, recognize that that is not something we can deny anymore. So whether or not Russia is shelling civilians or doing, or whether you obviously don't agree with the invasion of a country, we have to recognize that these are bad people that are openly saying, and I'll make that clear in a moment again, that they want to murder these people in Donbass, that they want to ethnically cleanse them, that they want to take out all sorts of people and spread their white ideology around the world. That's Whether that's real or a psyop, like ISIS kind of thing or not, it's what was stated on the record. So the point being, when these people come on the record, and I'll explain this in a second, and argue that they realized once going through everything that this was fake or it wasn't real and there was no threat and we were just hurting people. Like you have to ask yourself, what, how can that possibly make sense? If we know for a matter of fact, they've been arming them since 2015. And we know as a matter of fact, these people are openly white supremacists as even the Western press has been pointing out. That's all I want to say before we play this. I want you to, add, well, actually it's nine minutes. So I'm just going to read the first part of it. So you see what's going on. You can include it. You can watch for yourself. I want you to ask how that makes sense and at least consider that these people aren't what they seem. I don't know that for sure. These could be Ru- these are Russian POWs they claim that are being captured by the Ukrainian services and that are still alive apparently somehow and they're speaking on the record about how they've been deceived by the Russian government. Now, how do we not know that these people are not any even remotely what they seem? Maybe we'll find out tomorrow from Russia's government that they're not even part of the Russian forces. 
or maybe they are have always been spies for the Ukraine. And they're you see what I'm saying? Like these are possibilities. I don't know any of that for sure. But if we're not willing to consider those things while they're making the same kind of quotes and allegations and arguments from the other side about things happening on their side, here's a Russian spy. So people just take it face value. He must have been because Russia bad guy. You see what I'm saying? Like a lot of that's happening. So I just I don't understand why people wouldn't be willing to ask the question on the other side. I mean, that just seems basic to me. But play this really quickly and you'll see that what he's saying, he says, I'm just going to turn this down. Some Russian captives, oh, this is the question. Some Russian captives told that they are, had to rescue Ukrainians from something. That people would welcome you here. Were you also told this? Now, make clear, that's not journalism, guys. That is a leading question in regard to like a court of law. And that's not how journalism is supposed to go. You're basically giving them the answer, right? Did, did Were you let in here on, under a false pretense that you were saving people and didn't, didn't turn out to be the case? Yes. Thank you. Right. That's that's what just happened. And it's ridiculous in my mind that that's whether or not this is valid. That that's what's happening. Like, how about also the fact that they may be being coerced, threatened. But my point in general, right, let me I'll play a couple points and I'm going to go back to the poor person that was shot. He says, sure, we were told that Ukraine allegedly. We were told that what that while being in Russia. Via media. That Ukraine is dominated. Literally, I'm 100% wrong now. Don't judge me too harshly. Now, I don't know what they cut out right there. Dominated by what? You know, like I think my, it might be, maybe they didn't, maybe just didn't say anything, but it seems like there was something going on there. Maybe this is the idea of the neo-Nazi conversation. And maybe that's not really what, to, it's interesting because that's the whole point. That's what even Putin is saying openly. That's why we're doing this. So if, the under, if undermining this is about that's not happening, we know that's happening. That's a fact. Goes on to say, Ukraine's interior is dominated. Okay, there it is. I thought I wasn't making sure. I was I, for a second. I thought I forgot. Ukraine's territory is dominated by fascist regime. Yeah, that's a fact, guys. Hundred percent. Even the Western press was calling it out. So when he comes up and says that, I realize that's not true. How does that even remotely make sense? He says, nationalists, Nazis have seized power. Ordinary people need some help to get rid of this yoke, like the yoke, like around the animal's neck. He says this, th- this was the aim. Obviously, the information was unilateral information. Of course, we have internet. Sometimes we get something from some other sources. We could do a little analysis, get to the point, man. We, but we had some doubts. We did not know the situation for sure. <laughs> I personally, just when we entered this territory, when I watched the address of the professional boxers, your boxers, Back home, I I forgot. These people are just ready to take arms. I feel shame that we came to this country. He's saying to his territory, Ukraine's territory. This this woman was just standing and crying. I don't know where we're do, why we're doing it. Very little. I mean, this you see what I'm saying? Like, okay, so you you said they were dominated by Nazis. You didn't even come back and round and say that wasn't the case. You just imply that. But so the point being is, I don't know why we would take this at face value. I'm considering it. That's why I'm playing it for you. Just like I'm considering Patrick Lancaster's discussion, which I'll show you again in a moment. Either way we look at it, there's a, a lot of stuff that doesn't add up here. We know that's the case. So either he's deceived by somebody, he's being manipulated by somebody, or he's not real in the case that he's not actually who they say he is. And my point here, to finish off with this last guy, 
who has another very framed question. You can watch this whole thing for yourself. They basically ask him like directly, like what happened to treat you wrong? Like what happened when you're behind the scenes? And the guy just goes on to say, we were treated and they were very nice and very kind. Right. That, that's, that's the point. Okay. So maybe sure possible, but let me ask you a question. If they're willing to literally execute somebody who's on their side because they think he might've been a Russian spy, are we really going to pretend that they would capture actual Russians and just be like, yeah, we're going to take care of them and then trap them out on the news, let them say what they want. Everything about this feels wrong. Doesn't mean I'm right. It could be totally valid. And maybe this is actually the reality of what they saw. I don't know. But again, my point is, even if that's the case, it's a verifiable fact that this is what's going on in Ukraine. And we'll go through this more today. So I just find that to be very interesting. This is a wag the dog situation, whether this is real or not. We already know that. And I would, we need to question from all sides of this. What Putin says, what, what US government says, what the Western press says, because they're all trying to play games right now. Now, here is what I, again, highly recommend you take the time to read Whitney Webb's recent article called Ukraine and the New Al-Qaeda. Now, I'm going to read it and part of the end of this when we get th through this in a minute, because I just I want people to think about how this is clearly a psychological operation, whether or not parts of this are really happening. And that's clearly that they are. Because what we're staring at is a, a coordinated built effort that was driven into action. And we know that they are what we're talking about. And we know that they have funded them. So what's confusing here? I mean, I'm literally at a loss for why people can't put this together. They just call it fake news, I think. And people just dismiss it because that's what they're told to do. Even though we keep pointing to other Western press that says the same thing. It's ridiculous. But here is also my discussion of her article and more things around it called How the CIA Built the New Al-Qaeda in Ukraine. This is the new Syria, guys. I'm telling you, not just the fact that they're building the threat like they did with ISIS and Idlib and so on, or didn't build it there, but that was the central point for a long time, but they built this and used Syria. But also that I literally begin and begin to think that Ukraine's actual location is going to be that because of what Whitney discussed in her article, because of how they've been building, apparently, an insurgency, which implies Russia has to be occupying for it to be fighting back before it ever happened. From 2015 forward, they, this has been planned. So clearly this is what they're building and they want this to happen so they can create this endless proxy war and just have Syria 2.0. Now on the same idea of the neo-Nazi discussion, here is even people in Israel openly calling out their own government, the Israeli government for arming neo-Nazis. I mean, it's just this ridiculous. And this is the argument they make about Ukraine today. Oh, well, Zelensky's Jewish, you racist. That's not even possible. <laughs> well, obviously it is. Reach, it basically says these weapons reach neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine security forces, and the courts are up, people are upset about it. This was back in 2018. A group of more than 40 human rights activists have filed a petition with the, with the High Court of Justice demanding the secession of Israeli arm exports to Ukraine. They argue that these weapons serve forces that openly espouse a neo-Nazi ideology. They do. We proved it. The, main, the Western press proved it until they stopped talking about it. They cite evidence that the right-wing Azov militia, which again, remember, is completely immersed in the government and the militia, the, the police forces, head of the SBU, whose members are part of Ukraine's armed forces and are supported by the country's Ministry of Internal Affairs. Right? This is my point, is they admit this stuff then. You're not supposed to say that right now is using these weapons. An earlier appeal to the defense ministry was met with no response. So the Israeli government just didn't even care. Yes, we know that they're terrorists, but we don't care. Just like we do that in Syria and everywhere else. 
This is not the first time or working alongside Saudi Arabia, guys. That's the Wahhabi ideology is literally what is the, is the driving force behind these terrorist groups in the Middle East. Yet we, they work alongside the most openly authoritarian country in the area. It's all about democracy, right? How do we even take these people at face value? How do we take them seriously when something like that's happening? Because these are people invested in the narrative. This is not the first time, though, in which the Israeli government has armed this kind of ideology. Now, this is exactly, like this is my point about this kind of stuff. If I were to just to go on Twitter and type this out, not only would I be called racist, anti-Semitic, I would be sent, I would probably lose the account that I'm using. Despite the fact that this is Haaretz openly discussing how it's factually the reality. This is what they have seen, what they've reported on, what has actually happened. In the past, Israel has armed anti-Semitic regimes. How does that make sense? Such as the general's regime in Argentina, which murdered thousands of Jews in camps while its soldiers stood in watchtowers guarding the abducted prisoners with their Uzi machine guns, which, by the way, were provided by the Israeli government. Fact. The link is right there for you from Haaretz. But I know it's racist and, and unacceptable that I'm saying it, right? According to a Freedom of Information petition to Israel's defense ministry from last January, Israel also armed Bolivia's military regimes, knowing that Nazi war criminal Klaus Barbie was part of the regime. Legal documents used to convict the head of the junta also showed that Barbie's death squads used Israeli Uzis. In the case of Ukraine, forces using Israeli weapons are openly stating their support for racist and anti-Semitic ideas in various publications. These are the same people we're pointing at. The Azov Battalion that is immersed with the whole thing, and they're arming them. And the people in Israel are going, yeah, but they're racist, and they know that, and they don't care. The Azov militia, or the generally Ukrainian government, guys, the emblems that these people use are well-known national socialist ones. It's members you, or that's how they say it in this article. The members use that Nazi salute and carry swastikas and SS insignias. Right here. Uh, that's not the right, the same guy. Oh, but the, the same symbol back here, by the way, <clears throat> the, the right sector and all these different groups. It's very clear. Now we're talking about the same people here. This guy, one of the leaders that's, that was right in the same room with Newland and McCain and all that. This is who they're talking about. But you're not supposed to know that. See, we were so far ahead of this narrative that we're, they are right now trying to get ahead of this. They're trying to get ahead of the lie that they spent or they, that they, they spun about this whole thing by admitting sort of that it is real, but not the way that we're saying or Putin, but it's there, but it, it's a pathetic dance they're doing because we called it out. Now, I don't mean just TLAF, but independent media. Now, again, this is 2020, not long ago. Ukraine deported two American members who tried to join this group. This is the Azov regiments right there. Okay, so Americans tried to go to join that group and they were arrested and deported and it's dangerous and American officials said no and Ukraine officials said no, bad news. And now they're going, yay, we're doing, we're heading to Ukraine to join the fight. And the same group and the same government and the same exact situation. But now it's a good thing because narrative shift. March 5th. It's just ridiculous, is it not? Now here is a couple of videos I want to show you that are displaying, at least in some part, it doesn't mean that this, just like I would say in any other situation, seeing a video like this does not then therefore mean that every single person in Ukraine is like this. But based on what we've already shown you, you must recognize by now that this is a broad grouping that's been manipulated within this country but also recognize that we've shown you that plenty of people in Ukraine don't agree with this government. 
I believe that a lot has been pushed in. Like a lot of this country has become something that's not anymore. And that's why the Russian separatists and the people in Crimea fled. They want to get away from this terrible situation. That's why we've already seen a lot of people fleeing from Ukraine into Russia. We'll get into that in a minute with the corridors. The argument that the Russians killing everybody, but these people are fleeing toward the killing. Come on. It's kind of ridiculous. But here is a Ukrainian Nazi Hitler youth style summer camp. That's how he frames it in this tweet run by Ukrainian Nazi groups or rather just white supremacist neo-Nazi groups that the U.S. government armed and funded. This is very real. I, I have the image here, or rather the video, and I have a couple of videos, in fact, that I'm going to share with you that you'll find very interesting.
Ah, that was my fault. Son of a gun. I'm back. That was my fault, guys. That one actually wasn't a glitch. That was my fault. Son of a gun. I, all this jumping around, and I and I I had myself muted of the video off. So thank you for letting me know, guys. Uh, I'm trying to think about where we were. Oh, so this is important. So uh, maybe in the chat, let me know where uh, where I, you stopped hearing me talk. But here's the here's the point. To sum this up quickly, what I was saying there. We're watching them scream, hang Russians, right? We're watching them scream, hang Russians and talk about this is an openly stated direction from these people, from the white supremacist government and what they're what they're radicalizing. Now, the point is that how how can you make sense of forcing these Russian separatists back into this country? Right. How, How do you how do you make sense of that? Or Crimea, for that matter. What I was getting into is that that's what they're trying to frame it as, that this is some kind of a revolution. It's not a revolution when you're forcefully making people come back to something they don't want. That's authoritarianism, right? But I think that's why they try to make this into, like, talking about the insurgency. Well, it's not an insurgency until Russia's there and you're pushing back. So you could argue that's because they saw it coming, but it's clear that they drove it into action. And that's a reality. So here, when we're talking about the certain, the, the separatists and so on, I think that why the Americans and so on who are on the ground with the white right sector in Azov are calling it a revolution or their Independence Day because they are framing this as the Russian occupation and fighting back because that's where they think the narrative is going. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. Now that they're there, they can pretend they're in a revolution and insurgency and so on. But Crimeans, the people in Donetsk and Lugansk, they don't want to be part of this country because of this government and because of what the U.S. government is doing. Give me, give me a notification. Let me know in the chat that you guys have me back because I think that it's making sure. But continuing forward. kicking a Russian flag on the ground. You know, I mean, the idea is that these are people that are Russian. How does it possibly make sense to make those people go back to this? Right? I mean, this is what we're talking about. How does this even remotely make sense? Your government and Western press are framing this as these people trying to save those separatists. Think about how disgusting that is. It's just like every other situation. The freedom fighters in Syria were fighting for freedom to overthrow Assad. No, they were literal terrorists, chopping heads off children, using human shields, and all they did was frame it as the reverse. And this is verifiable today. That's how embarrassing this is and how dangerous it is because these people are bad. Not just the Ukrainian government, but the people that are funding, arming, and pushing it forward. The McCains of the world and the governments that are arming them. Oh, shoot. Dang it, I did. I went, hit the wrong thing. Well, I, I can, here, let me get, see if there's one more. It says, hail to the heroes, hail to nation, death to the Russians. Слава нации! 
So this guy calls them out on the train, calls them neo-Nazis, and they lose it. Right? I mean, it's very interesting to me how obvious this is, how very, very, very obvious this is. Now, this person chimes in and says, let's see a percentage of Ukrainian people who this represents. And right, this person goes, what percentage of Afghan people were Al-Qaeda? Your turn. Right? People have no ability to frame, to think about this in an objective lens. How is it that this matters only when Russia does something? Right? Your government has done this around the world in an obvious way and destroyed people's lives as policy. Under a guise that we know, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, whatever else, they literally passed laws that said if we think that there's a presence of them there, we can invade the country, even though that's obviously illegal. Do we, we prove what percentage was present? Apparently, this guy only cares when it's something we're pointing out obvious on the side of the people that he thinks are the bad guys. Regardless of this, guys, it's not about the percentage of the people, because that's not what I'm actually concerned about. These are people that are just being radicalized by governments, just like happening here in this country. Young people. I'm worried about the government that's being armed and the specialists and the police forces and the intelligence that are being armed and funded with dangerous things by the foreign governments of the United States, the UK, and everybody else that's doing so. We'll get into it in a minute. They're open. They're giving them all sorts of weaponry right now, and they're using it to murder people like the, the, it, like they have been in the Donbass region the entire time. Now, just at, because I said that, are people that are pointing out that Russians are shelling civilians and so on, is it possible? Of course it is. Now, I'm going to get into the discussion about that. I, I mean, if it happened, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I just don't think it makes any sense with where they are. And I have yet to actually see evidence other than pictures coming from Western press. I'd love people to send me this because I want to be able to discuss this just like I did with the other person over there. And yes, I've got my opinions. I'm not trying to hide that. We all have our opinions, but I think the facts absolutely matter. And the facts are that people like the Wall Street Journal or the, or the Washington Post or the New York Times have been caught lying a thousand times over, especially when it comes to foreign policy. Just think of their coverage on Syria. I mean, think about this, guys. These people have been caught lying about Syria, chemical attacks, everything, Russiagate, a hundred times over. And here we are taking them at face value. And I'm a, a terrorist anti-American for not blindly believing that Russian killed civilians. I mean, it's, it's just crazy to me. As I said, obviously, it wouldn't shock me if any government carried out acts like this if they thought it was advantageous. Even the U.S. government. My point is, why would they do it for no reason? I genuinely don't even think the U.S. government does that. I think they're just sloppy and they don't care. They choose to ignore the fact that they're going to murder people. That's different than just choosing to aim at them for no reason. Here is another point. This person says, come on, Majid, this person who posted this. Nobody reasonable thinks Ukraine is without its serious problems, but it doesn't have the strongest military presence since World War II in foreign country. Doesn't bomb residential areas. The Azov line feels like the biggest whataboutery here. You see what I mean? People are willing to challenge this idea without even caring to do the smallest due diligence. Oh, does it seem like the biggest thing? Did you, did you try to look it up? No, because you already feel and recognize that you're, that's off the narrative line. So, ah, I don't know about that. That seems like fake news. Does it seem like it? Or did you look into it and realize that it was? I mean, it's just ridiculous. This is the dynamic of the political spectrum of this country. It says, did you, I, I said, excuse me, did you even take a second to do the smallest due diligence? Here is Newsweek just before it truly kicked off. Now this is fake news, apparently, where I literally read off exactly the point I keep making, that they're immersed with the government and the interior. I mean, it's obvious. And I left Whitney's article as well. 
And I left Patrick Lancaster's point to address the part they say, well, it doesn't bomb residential areas. Oh, well, yeah, they do, in fact. I said, and yes, they have been bombing civilian areas, and it's just not being shown in your controlled media outlets. Instead, they parrot what the Ukraine government reports. We should be skeptical and critical of all sides, but anyone honest can see that's not happening. And he said, Russia, Russia pledged to respect Ukraine's territorial integrity, and of course points to a memorandum. Well, what about the NATO agreements and with Gorbachev and Reagan, or what about an endless stream of agreements and memorandums and treaties and things that the U.S. government has regularly broken all over the place, but none of that matters, this guy. It's only when Russia bad guy does it. And yes, both are valid points. My point is simply to show the overwhelming ignorance, willful ignorance when it comes to a side of a political spectrum they don't want to see. But he says it didn't. I don't dispute or excuse atrocities being happening on both sides. The bottom line, Ukraine is in a defensive war. Just again, just jumping right over what I said and blindly, how, why do you think that? Because that's what you're told. Because that's what the Western press is reporting. Did you not look in, if you read any of this or looked at any of it or looked up the source material that proves it tying back to even Western press, you would see that this has been driven for a, for a decade. You would see that this is not defensive, even remotely. You would see that they have been attacking Russian people in Donbass for eight years and the UN has ignored it. Russia is attacking both in Donbass, he says, and in the West. So apparently this guy ridiculously thinks that Russia is also bombing people in Donbass. You see how broken this is? I could literally argue Russia's bombing the moon. He'd be like, probably, I think so. Russia, and he'd probably go tweet it because that's going to line up with the narrative. No, he's, they're not bombing in Donbass. That's ridiculous. And by the way, not even the Western press is arguing that, at least not that I've seen. But here we are, guys. Here we are. Now, here is another video. Mass neo-Nazi marches in Ukraine. This was in 2019 to honor Stefan Bandera. Now, it shows you who he is in the beginning. I'll play the clip for you. exactly the point here guys that they actually do this on and this is this has been pr discussed by plenty of other independent journalists and it happens in other places like syria where they literally fake this they bring in people they make it look like there's support when there's really not and sort of like the other protests we've discussed <laughs> Oh! 
призупиняємо колону, запалюємо смолоскипи. Apologies, I didn't plan to play that that long. I had to grab something really quickly. But the point being, guys, it's pretty obvious that this is much larger and more immersed than they're trying to let than you're letting people believe. Now, the point about the percentage is obviously relevant, but the reality is who's making that the case, who's arming the government, and who's making that the reality of the people on the ground. Now, last point on this before we actually point about the LGBTQ part we're going to get into. This is from Instagram, CJ Hopkins. Now that many of my old friends are openly cheering for neo-Nazis, and this is what's happening now, they either don't want to admit it themselves or won't realize it, and calling for NATO to set off global nuclear war by attacking Russia, people like... uh, um, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden, uh, Hannity, openly calling for action against them, bombing the Russians on the ground. I mean, that's the most, that, that is irrationally dangerous. And these people don't care. That's gonna, that, that will directly hurt exponentially more people because of the fallout that will come. And they don't care about any of that. He says, I'm nostalgic for the days when they just wanted me to send, wanted me sent to a camp for refusing to get vaccinated. Interesting point. Moments ago, we were all going to go to camps because we weren't even, this is what they were, I mean, camp, you could argue, is not what they said exactly. The bottom line is sending you somewhere because you weren't doing what you were told. I want, it's not hard to see the connection, huh? (laughs) Or they're promoting the same kind of authoritarian ideology they're framing as freedom. Well, again, he points to a bunch of pictures of the same people we're pointing at. These are the people we're talking about. And then here's the point about the LGBTQ. Transgender woman weep, women weep, as authorities, excuse me, classify them as men who must stay and fight, right? So here is, this is being reported from a lot of different angles, and and this is seemingly the accurate story. The fact that these people are, and I mean, even Vice, who tries to clumsily argue something different, is, is forced to admit it. In what has become a controversial move by Ukrainian authorities, Women are being denied from leaving the country because their passport indicates they are men and not women, as even reported by Vice. Now, what's what's what again, the point about this is to go back and recognize these people have been a minute abused by this government, at least in 2020, which is being called out, but before this. Even and but now they're trying to frame it as this bastion of freedom for all of these people. So how does this make sense? Like, how are you how are the people out here that are like overwhelmingly the, the, the transgender issue is a focal point for what they are trying to fight for. And right now they're fighting for, they have the Ukrainian flag and their virtue signaling all about it. And yet they don't understand that the Ukrainian government doesn't care about their chosen gender. Think about that. As they try to run, they're going, no, 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 take a gun. Cause you're a man. Doesn't that matter to these people? Apparently not. They are, because they're disgusting, ridiculous, clownish hypocrites that will that don't care about anything that goes against. They just pretend it's not there. And here's how they do that. 
they get their propaganda to rewrite the story so they can point at that and say, no, here's the real context. Trans people stranded and alone in Ukraine following Russia's invasion. Well, of course, that's why. That's why. It's not because they're being forced back into fight because they don't believe they're actually a man or a woman. No, it's because Russia, bad guy. You see how that works? Now, let me read the article briefly, and it'll show you how they admit the same thing. Trans people in Ukraine tell Vice World News they're fear fearful of trying to escape Russian forces in case they are prevented from leaving by authorities. What? So you start the sentence by saying they're fearful of trying to escape Russian stuff, bad guys, because they might be prevented from leaving? So the people that are actually the problem are the government that doesn't support or respect who they are, who might prevent them from leaving and force them to fight against something they don't care about. But that's not the bad guy. It's the people over here that are allegedly carrying out all sorts of attacks. Think about how dumb that is. Then it says trans people in Ukraine have told Vice World News that they are totally stuck and scared for their lives in the country. Right. So you may want to hear that is because Russia or you could recognize what it's saying. That they're scared because they're in this country. And that's what the reality of the history has been before we got here. Two Ukrainian trans women said they can't leave Ukraine or even safely travel through it because of their identification documents, say male, and mention their old masculine names. Okay, now show me where Russia bad guy plays into that, right? That has nothing to do with because Russia's attacking. That has everything to do with the fact that the Ukrainian government doesn't respect or care about what they believe. Now, as always, you know my stance on this in a general sense. You can do whatever you want with your own body. You can believe whatever you want. It doesn't offend me at all. I'll even happily call you what you wish. Just don't force me to do it. I can choose. It is my choice. You don't get to force me to say certain things or acknowledge you in a different way or whatever. I have my own autonomy too. The problem is that in this, in this country, they will absolutely, either they don't care about this topic as much as they pretend they do, or they're willing to ignore things they care about to push in an agenda. I mean, how is anybody okay with either way of this conversation? Now it says one trans woman said that she is terrified of being stopped trying to leave Ukraine. Yeah, right? Because, because Russia bad guy? No, because Ukraine bad guy. And being forced to join the Ukrainian army as a man. Well, because you are a man, first of all, that's the reality, but that's why you're being held back. But the point is this government does not respect that you decide for yourself that you're a woman, right? I mean, the US government pretends to, but they don't care about this now, especially because authorities are stopping men aged 18 to 60 from leaving. Now, how is that okay? I mean, ask yourself this, guys. This is the Ukrainian government that is forcing people to fight. Freedom. You're not allowed to leave 18 to 60 if you're a man. Now, whether or not Russia is doing that, I haven't seen it. I mean, I've, I've, maybe I've seen reports about that. I don't believe that's happening in Russia. But the point is that we're talking about Ukraine and the government that your government is supporting or controlling and framing them as a bastion of democracy. You do not force people to fight against their will if, that's, if it's a freedom, if you pretend you're in a freedom-free country let alone trans people. Another Ukrainian trans woman is too scared to leave her accommodation for fear of transphobic attacks. Again, that's not from Russia, bad guy. That's from the Ukrainian situation that's been there and present since long before this started. My point simply again, to show you how willfully dishonest the mainstream Western press is because they're not talking. They, they will, again, go out of their way. Look at the title of this article. They're stranded alone following Russia's invasion. And they start off, I mean, they're desperate to try to make you read this one way, probably hoping you don't even read the article. One trans man who transitioned over six years, so a woman, 
who has lived as a man in Ukraine since, only has an ID showing female. He told Vice News about his fears of leaving his home and trying to make it across Ukraine. Okay, so let's make it very clear. This is a, a man, or excuse me, a, a female. So she's in no risk of leaving. They're not going to stop her. They're letting the women and children go. Apparently, that's what they say anyway. So then what she's really afraid about is just simply being attacked as being a trans person in Ukraine. Yep. Just make sure you recognize that because this is what it's like to live under an openly neo-Nazi white supremacist government that's being funded to the teeth to be able to do whatever they want. While the government and the media pretends not to see whatever they do that's bad. That's what it looks like. Not just for trans people, for anybody. This is just a point that I'm making because it's a topic of contention for the ridiculous political situation in this country. Now, a great article, and here's the children being armed by the Azov Battalion because freedom, right? Western media fall in lockstep for neo-Nazi publicity stunt in Ukraine. These people are children, and most of them, I think, I think they're right. I think they did fall for it. I don't think most of these media personalities are even that bright. This says, when the corporate media push for war, one of the main weapons is propaganda by omission. That's an important thing to think about. In the case of recent, the recent crisis in Ukraine, Western journalists have omitted key context about the expression of NATO since the end of the Cold War, as well as U.S. support for the maiden coup in 2014. We played that for you in the beginning. Not just U.S. support, U.S. culpability. And the expansion of NATO, all of which we've shown you before, is verifiable. They broke the agreement, just like they break every agreement. They, these, these people have, there's nothing sacred to these people. And this, this was, by the way, posted on February 23rd, 2022. So this is just before this all really kicked off. Now it says, a third and crucial case of propaganda, a biomission, relates to the integration of neo-Nazis into the Ukrainian armed forces. It, if the corporate media reported more critically about Western support for the neo-Nazi infested Ukrainian security services and how these forces function as a frontline proxy of U.S. foreign policy, right, public support for war might be reduced and military budgets called into greater question. Exactly. The, the, exactly what they don't want. And what are they using to drive this in? The Ukrainian people, just like they use the Syrian people or the Iranian people or the Yemeni people or the Afghani people or the Iraqi people or whoever they decide to step on to get what they want. And this is what we're staring at. And Bayer is honest enough to call it out. If they're just a frontline proxy of U.S. foreign policy and they're openly neo-Nazi, what are we actually talking about? As recent coverage demonstrates, one way of resolving this issue is by not mentioning the inconvenient matter of Ukrainian neo-Nazis altogether. The 2014, in 2014, the Azov Battalion was incorporated into the National Guard of Ukraine to assist with fighting against pro-Russian separatists. Right. On the surface. And, you know, and they're even showing you their, their symbols and the same thing. Right. And this is even mainstream media. Before they were supposed to be, they're calling it out before they then called it fake news. And again, before they suddenly started calling it sort of real again now. It's absurd. Dumpster fire. These people are clown shoe ridiculous. They immersed them with the National Guard so they could be on the front lines fighting the Russians, who they vowed to extinguish. At the time, the militia's association with neo-Nazism was well documented. And we've shown you this up and down and left and right. The unit used the Nazi-inspired Wolf's Angle symbol as its logo, while its soldiers supported sported Nazi insignias on their combat helmets, still happening to this day. In 2010, the Azov Battalion's founder, 
declared that Ukraine should, quote, lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led, I forget we looked that up last time, that last word. The point is, this is a very easy thing to look up on the record. The Azov Battalion's founder, Right, and these things are tied across the, these are directly connected to Svoboda, directly connected to the right sector and the Georgia Legion, to the interior of the ministry, to the National Guard, to the police forces. But yeah, mainstream press, it's just a little small regiment of volunteers that are arming children and women because that makes sense for freedom. It's pathetic. I, you, you, I hope you're beginning to see how ridiculous this is. They, they probably feel it too. The Azov Battalion is now an official regiment of the NGU, which was the National Guard of Ukraine. And operates under the authority of the Ukrainian Ministry of Internal Affairs. A granny with a gun. Remember this? Remember this whole mainstream push? Western corporate push? In mid-February 2022, as tensions mounted between the U.S. and Russia over Ukraine, the Azov Battalion organized a military training course for Ukrainian civilians in the city of Mariupol. Right. The very place that we've later seen kick off into all sorts of false flag manipulations. Yeah, exactly. Now, also recognize this is what we all already discussed, what we were already called fake news for and already censored for. The idea that this was a white supremacist group that was arming and creating this or that there were Americans on the ground doing it with them. I've proven all of this to you. Openly. Veterans, anyway. That's what. That's how I think they're sidestepping the boots on the ground thing right now. Is despite the fact that I'm going to show you, approve to you yet again, that there have been special forces on the ground since 2015. But this was framed as a freedom movement. Now, again, recognize how ridiculous it is to frame this as independence or revolution when you're not revolting against anything. You're in fact trying to stop a revolution. You are trying to suppress a declaration of independence in the Donbass region. The inverse of reality. That's how this works. And they're, how do they even pretend it's a revolution? They don't even try. They just tell you that and hope that you just say it. Put a little flag on your Twitter account and start, I stand with Ukraine, right? Even though it's not even Ukraine anymore. Images of this old woman, Valentina, a 79-year-old Ukrainian learning to handle an AK-47, soon featured across basically every Western place you could look at. The figure of a pensioner lining up to protect her homeland made for an emotive image, right? It's emotionally manipulative. Collapsing the conflict into a simple good versus evil binary, which is always what they want. Well, that grandma can't be bad, can she? While adding weight to U.S. and British intelligence assessments, forecasting the subsequent invasion. Which, as you know, they did every single thing possible to drive their hand. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't planning it. Maybe they did have intelligence that they never chose to ever show you even now, which totally makes sense, right? Or the false flag, they continued to scream about crisis actors that never materialized, right? I think they were trying to get ahead of what they were doing. You could theorize all day long. None of that happened. The red lines they crossed, the actions they took, the people they killed, the the F-16s they flew right off the coast, the drills they carried out with NATO inside Ukraine, all of these were dramatic red lines that Russia drew and said, you cross this and we're going to war. And they even then still took it to, didn't do it for the first few times. Eventually, they told them and did it. Now, you could argue that that was something that was planned or not. But at the end of the day, if you're being objective and Russia said, I mean, if if any of that happened on the reverse and the U.S. said, if you do this, we're going to do that, they'll do it. And then they would blame Russia. But in this case, the Russia says, you do this and we'll do that. And then they still blame Russia. Totally makes sense, right? We're children when we play this game. It's really silly. The media is the most childish of all. It says such a narrative was not to be ruined, of course, by reference to neo-Nazis, right? We want to emotionally manipulate you. 
Indeed, mention of the Azov Battalion was largely erased from the mainstream coverage of the event. Right? They were the, literally the ones training her, alongside American soldiers, of course, because we already proved that to you. And, and remember, like, we just talked about this a moment ago. Like, they're, oh, I'm not going to go back. The BBC, of course, they, I, I'm going to, interest of time, run through these real quickly. You can read the rest of them, showing you a clip of civilians lining up for hours or military training with the, with the National Guard, which is the Azov Battalion. The BBC didn't mention what they really were, despite the Azov's insignias being right in the report. We've shown you this. That is willfully dishonest. They are well aware. You know why? Because moments ago, the BBC was telling you that. But not now, because they know their marching orders. How can we miss that? Now, again, BBC, again, discussing how that with the, this child being armed by these freedom fighters was about freedom, without any mention of the Nazi neo-Nazi groups, and even have Nazi symbols sported three times throughout the group. Both MSNBC and ABC also reported from Mariupol where that group was training and where lots of things have happened that they haven't reported on, showing similar video footage of the Azov Battalion member teaching this child to arm a rifle. BBC makes no mention of their association. Sky News, of course, updated its initial report after the fact to include mention of the far-right trainers. Now, why would they do that? Well, because they realize that we are on, right? They're lied about it. They didn't talk about it. Or there's only two things here. Either they didn't know and they just do what these always do and just report what they're supposed to say. And then at some point, someone said, hey, that's really, really obvious. So they added it. Or once people like Whitney Webb wrote their outstanding articles, this got lots of reach. Suddenly, now they're getting called out for it. So they have to do it or they look ridiculous. But they even then undermine the reality of it. Euro News made a small mention of it. Glorification of Nazism, it says. Times in the Daily Telegraph ran front page spreads showing this woman as a freedom fighter without any reference to the Azov Battalion. Worse still, the Times and the Daily Telegraph had already reported on this exact neo-Nazi association. So you're telling me that they would report on the fact that those neo-Nazis, that they called neo-Nazis, were arming and funding children and women, and they didn't mean think it was important to mention? Guys, this is one of the most obvious examples we've ever seen. They are propaganda. They know this stuff. They don't care. Time for us to be honest with ourselves about what this really is and the control that we're seeing. In light of NATO's recent posturing in defense of Ukraine, the fact that the Azov Battalion's neo-Nazism seems to have become an inconvenience for them. We know that. December 16, 2021, only the U.S. and Ukraine, and we told you this as well, only the U.S. and Ukraine openly voted against a United Nations resolution condemning, quote, the glorification of Nazism, while can't, but the U.K. and Canada abstained. How do you make sense of that? And if you please take the time to read the actual resolution, they try to pretend like it's somehow, well, what they actually argued was that it was demonizing a, a, a member or you know a country in their support or whatever they framed it as. Didn't say Ukraine, but that's what it's pointing at. Now, that in itself clearly suggests that they are glorifying Nazism. But the point was they tried to frame it as that it was misrepresentation. But please, Take, it, take the time and read the resolution. It's, un, it's undeniable. It is basic. Not glorifying these ideas, period. And they said no. Ukraine said no. U.S. said no. U.K. and Canada said, I'm not even going to speak up. But yeah, but they're clearly in a war against white supremacy, right? There can be little doubt that this decision was made with the conflict of Ukraine in mind. In the doctrine of Western militarism, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And if that friend happens to enlist neo-Nazis, 
corp Western corporate media can be relied on to just look the other way. God, it feels nice to read some honest reporting every now and again, doesn't it? Now, on to the rollback of their ridiculous narrative. And this is the best part of this. It really is so ridiculous to watch how how willing they are to challenge, like, like we just wrote right there, or the article just wrote, that they had moments ago said that. And then they cover this and just completely leave it out. It, it's, it's almost, it is vindicating, but it's almost, in a way, I, 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 it makes me happy to see them reeling in this kind of way only because it becomes so obvious for the average person. You know what I mean? Like the person that doesn't really know most of the kind of just on the edge of the whole story to them, these kind of things become really, really obvious. Now going back to, oh, it just froze on me. Okay. Okay, good. Here we go. Putin's denazification claims and the self-serving manipulation of history, right? So this is what they were saying. This is, this is February 28th. They're saying this is fake news, not real. They went out of their way and they go, but this guy's Jewish. Can't you tell? That's ridiculous. Well, that is, it's, that's irrelevant, right? The whether or not you are creating neo-Nazi armies because you're Jewish doesn't mean that's not possible, which is how they frame that. I mean, do we not remember there were Jewish people that worked with the Nazis? Or how about the fact that Israel just was openly caught for funding and arming these exact kind of people? They're Jewish. I mean, it's just rather they're Zionists, which is quite different in my opinion, different conversation. But my point nonetheless is it's absurd that they can try to make these claims. And it just shows you, like, like Fair said, they're just willing to look the other way because they are not honest. Here is February 2022. Ukraine does not need denazified to be denazified. Of course, this smear is an off-sided part of the old classic Vladimir Putin playbook. They love that one, right? Oh, you mean that thing that nobody can, act, like this hypothetical playbook that nuts actually real, but they state it as a fact all the time? Oh, that's right out of his playbook. And that, oh, people go, oh, of course, then I know that means it's real. What does that even mean? That means that people in intelligence have decided that's what Putin would do, therefore fact. Even though what he would do is what they want you to think, and usually it's not even rooted in reality. But this is Western press for you today, main corporate press. But they don't need to be denazified, you fake news conspiracy theorists. Here's CNN. False accusations of Nazism against the Zelensky government have drawn outrage, says Brian Todd on CNN. Here is DW. Fact check. Love the fact checks, right? They're opinion checks. Do Vladimir Putin's justifications for going to war against Ukraine add up? Russia, he said, must defend itself again and denazify Ukraine. The point is, fact check, false. False. So apparently they don't need to. Okay. Well, I think you saw where this changed. This one, Ukraine's Nazi problem is real. Even if Putin's denazification claim isn't. Okay, wait a minute. That was a really quick change, right? Okay, so this is March 5th. So we go from... I don't even know if this was the, the, the closest date. So the 25th, some of these were 28th, I think. So we go from the basically the beginning of March. So a week or more ago, and it is false, fake, not real. You're a crazy conspiracy theorist. Up, down, left, right, anywhere you look, you guys are crazy. I'm horrified. He's Jewish, you, you anti-Semite. To, well, it's real, but you don't understand the full picture. <laughs> My God, like they must feel stupid, right? I mean, come on. It's so ridiculous. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, like, if you want to take this at face value and realize that there's some nuance being, okay, fine. But you have to acknowledge that 30 seconds ago, they were saying this wasn't even remotely real. Not kind of real, but misunderstood, but fake news. In, in fact, insulting fake news. Now it says, not acknowledging this threat means that little is being done to guard against it. Ah, oh, okay. So here's the, the point is, as I keep pointing out, guys, we are way ahead of their narrative. And now at a point where they're trying to jam, they need this to end up being a threat they can frame as Putin's problem that he created, that Republicans are part of, or how are they making this all blunt bunch together? But now that we're very aware this was already there and built by the CIA, well, they're not saying that part of it, right? That's the reality of it that we can clear, we'll get into and undeniably show you. But nonetheless, they need this to be something that they can frame. But they go, yeah, yeah, well, there's evidence because we jammed it down the people's throat. And now the people are reaching out to them going, but wait a minute, guys, I just read this article that says that they've been, and I can prove it, right? Now they're going, well, it is real. Even if the, so basically they ultimately say it's real, but what Putin says he's trying to do is fake. Oh, okay. How'd you prove that one? Because Putin, bad guy, and Putin, playbook. I'm not making that up. That's, this is their argument because we know Putin and Putin, bad guy. So you don't know. So you're making things up. Got it. So it says, on its face, Putin's smear is absurd. His smear. That there's Nazis in Ukraine that you literally just said is a real problem. Okay. <laughs> Fun way to start it. Not least because Ukraine's president's Jewish. Okay. So it's just, I don't even know where this is just muddled and mixed. So the idea that he's Jewish somehow means he can't be arming neo-Nazis. Well, I'd explain that, guys. Did you not do your due diligence? Clearly, you're great journalists. I know, you missed it, I'm sure. Here's Israel's government openly arming neo-Nazis. Well, work that one out for yourself. Going on to say, and members of his family were killed in World War II. So what does that even remotely mean to this? This is emotional manipulation and trying to seed in your mind that you're not allowed to talk about this. You can't question the Jewish person is Nazi. How dare you? That's what that's supposed to be. We're not scared of these fake accusations because I'm not talking about Jewish people in regard to the way they're trying to frame it. I'm talking about the fact that whether or not he's Jewish, any person, regardless of their religion or political ideology, can be manipulated by the U.S. government, can be driven to arm people of any kind, sort of like the Israeli government does in the direct contradiction to what they claim they support. And it says there is also no evidence of recent mass killings or ethnic purges taking place in Ukraine. So they then just outright deny all of the evidence. Like, just again, recognize evidence isn't proof. What they mean to say is there's also no proof of recent killings, which I also disagree with. To argue there's no evidence, because as I always say, their conflation of evidence and proof is an intentional point. Evidence doesn't even have to end up being real. You can have evidence that turns out to be falsified. You see, the point is evidence are just data points. Are we really pretending there's no data whatsoever of what there's an endless stream of documented video reportings on the ground from people like the independent journalists that have actually been to the Donbass region? Yes, there is an endless amount of evidence. You guys just don't care about it. Sort of how you don't care about everything else you've already reported. Like this is basic. These people don't care about the truth or they're too stupid to see it. Truth not being what I'm saying, simply the truth being that there is evidence of this situation. You should question it just like everything else. Moreover, and by the way, as far as I understand, there's been tens of thousands of people that have died, and I've already shown you evidence that at least some people are, and they pretend like that's all fake news, while taking at face value whatever Ukraine says without any due diligence. That's stupid on both sides. Moreover, labeling enemies Nazis is a common political ploy in Russia. 
especially from a leader who favors disinformation campaigns and wants to stir up feelings of national vengeance against World War II foe to justify conquest. Okay. Is there a document that makes that clear? Did he write that in his journal or a diary? Or did he say it on TV? None of that. This is this person making a subjective point about what they believe he thinks. And that's journalism. Right, because he thinks that. We know Putin thinks that because playbook, right? How is this even passed as normal journalism? This is childish propaganda. It's actually childish. Propaganda is one thing. This is remedial, low-level, lowest common denominator, like saying that he, Russia, therefore bad guy. That's basically what they're doing. It's also true that Ukraine has a genuine Nazi problem. Right, after, so we get four paragraphs in as you try to equivocate and bend over backwards to be like, but not really real as much you think it is. But yeah, there's a problem there, both past and present. Oh, okay, so now we're going to try to dramatically conflate things that are from decades ago and argue, yeah, back then they had this problem without, and then briefly point at what's happening now. This is pathetic. Putin's destructive actions, among them the devastation of Jewish communities, make clear that he's lying when he says his goal is to ensure anyone's welfare. Okay, so the interesting sidestep into the, the but devastating Jewish communities, because he's really the Nazi. You see what they're doing? That's 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 not even that's clumsy. And the idea that he is doing that, first of all, I don't see a link. I don't see a video. I haven't seen proof of this happen. I've seen a lot of U.S. U.S. government parroted Ukrainian intelligence arguments. Could be certainly. But ask yourself why in the world that would even make sense. There's a huge Jewish population in, in Russia. These people, in fact, are something. I mean, there's a thousand reasons why this doesn't even remotely make sense. It's sort of like a sod gassing children for fun. It doesn't add up. Now, maybe this is something that was done for a strategic region, strategic reason. And I would argue that no government would quibble about killing people for a strategic reason. Or on top of that, that this could have been a situation that they were told was where the civilians were evacuated. So, so they would attack it thinking there was an agenda and they didn't know that there's a thousand reasons you could consider. The bottom line is, remember, these are people on the ground on this side that are openly talking about killing these exact kind of people. So how does that even remotely make sense? The bottom line, though, is they want it set. They frame it as him doing the thing that he's claiming them of doing. Ukraine's anti-Semitic history is what they're pointing at here. As if that is, you know, the ultimate idea is that that's where it came from. Not now. They're just mani you know, manipulating it. There's a problem in general, but it's not a big deal. That's kind of what their point is. Far-right groups have also gained political currency in the past decade. None more chilling than Svoboda. Right, the group that's right. we showed you with the, I forget his name all of a sudden, the guy speaking with Newland. And I mean, this is part of the U.S. government point. Svoboda has sent several members of Ukraine to Ukraine's parliament. Exactly. Just as disturbing, neo-Nazis are part of some of Ukraine's growing ranks of volunteer battalions. You see what I'm point? That's a gross misrepresentation. They know because NBC itself, what this is, has in the past openly reported what we already showed you. So they know it's part of the interior of the ministry. They know it's part of the National Guard. They don't care, though, because their, their objective is to, un to omit, like, like Fair said, to propagandize by omission. Now it says, one is the Azov Battalion, founded by an avowed white supremacist who claimed Ukraine's national purpose was to rid the country of Jews and other inferior races. In 2018, the U.S. Congress stipulated that its aid to Ukraine couldn't be used to provide arms, training, or other assistance to the Azov Battalion. Even so, Azov is now an official member of the Guard. Now, my point here, guys, is that they are saying something that we know is not true. And that they know is not true. 
They only give you half the story. This is lying by omission. They say, but they put a thing in there that tries to make it seem like the U.S. Congress and Ukraine did their best not to, far, not to arm these bad guys. He goes on to say, for sure, none of this disturbing context justifies the misery that has befallen Ukrainians over the past several weeks. It is unlikely that Putin was motivated by any of this when it was launched his invasion. Again, okay, so your, your opinion is that he wouldn't because I know Putin. And that's what you're writing about. So he says, I'm doing this because these bad guys are killing Russians over here. And that's just fake news because Putin's a maniac and he doesn't care about people. Because Russian playbook, you know. Journalism. Now goes on to say, indeed, thanks to Putin, Jews living in Odessa, Kharkiv, uh, and other eastern cities are under extreme duress. Again, because he's the Nazi. That's what we want you to think when you read that. That's what they're doing. It's very obvious. Now, my point is, oh, last point here, but even if some elements of the country have been entangled with one of history's most lonesome movements, which, by the way, right there, you're undermining, it could be fake, though. No, it's not. And you know that, but you want to, but even if, standing with Ukraine is without a doubt the honorable posture. Wow. So it's the honorable posture to stand with the openly white supremacist government because Russia bad. That's the argument. Right now, every day that Putin ratchets up his assault against the Ukrainian people, or the government, in fact, with scorched earth zeal, which is not even remotely true, it's hard to see who truly deserves the N-word. And there it is. They are trying to end this by going, it's, re it's really him. And you don't miss that. It's very obvious. Now, the point is, here's the nation. This is from 2016. And it's very obvious. I think it was, uh, I forget the article we got this from last time we read it with the one that Whitney referenced in her article. Congress has removed a ban on funding neo-Nazis from its year-end spending bill. This was, this was right before, this is before it even happened. This is moments later. So here they are reporting this now as if they even put stuff in the bill that stopped it. So because we're good guys. Nope. Instantly removed. Under pressure from the Pentagon, Congress has stripped the spending bill of an amendment that prevented funds from falling into the hands of Ukrainian neo-fascist groups. Oops. Are we really pretending that ABC doesn't know that? Are we really pretending that they don't have the ability or the wherewithal to find that out? This is your current corporate journalism. It's just obvious. Now, a regiment in Ukraine's military was founded by white supremacists. Now it's battling Russia on the front lines, says the USA Today, two days ago. It says, last week, the official Twitter account for the National Guard of Ukraine shared a video apparently showing soldiers from Ukraine's Azov regiment dipping their bullets in pig fat before battle. One soldier in the video says, dear Muslim brothers in our country, you will not go to heaven. That's what it says. And yet we, you saw this because we reported this to you. It's just, I, I don't even know how to make sense of how they're spinning this. So it's okay, apparently. Right? I mean, I, that's probably why behind, I've never seen USA behind a paywall. That's probably why USA Today is now behind a paywall. They, they want to get it out there, but they don't want you to read it. Here is two days ago. The Russian-Ukraine conflict could strengthen neo-fascist groups in both countries. Right. So my point is, these are all groups that were 30 seconds ago saying, this is totally fake, you absolute fake news conspiracy theorists. Now, they're falling all over themselves to be like, but it's on both sides. It's over there too. And it's like, it's just really ridiculous. Experts have roundly dismissed Russian 
President Vladimir Putin's suggestion that Nazism is prevalent in Ukraine. <laughs> That's the first sentence. Experts have roundly, I mean, we just walked through this where they're now admitting it. Isn't this just the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen? Still, they worry the war may strengthen the neo-fascist in both countries. Right. So experts say it's not even happening over there. But we know it's in Russia. Bad guy. Dangerous. That's all it really is. Going back to 2021, December, Ukraine accuses Russia of information war after neo-Nazi arrests. So here we have a point where they're claiming they arrest neo-Nazis in Russia that are being sent there by Ukraine. Doesn't this begin to seem very valid? You should question it like anything. But my point is, based on everything we know, it's very interesting how this lines up. Russia's domestic intelligence service was accused by Ukraine of waging information warfare after it said it arrested 106 supporters of a Ukrainian neo-Nazi youth group for planning attacks and mass murders. But we just watched them. We watched how they were speaking, talking about killing Russians. I don't find this too hard to believe, personally. Russian Federal Security Services said it had made arrests in 37 of Russia's more than 80 regions, and that two of those had had planned attacks on educational institutions. Now, I, I don't. this is just statements. We should question it like anything. I don't take anything at face value until we can prove it. But nonetheless, we know that these people have stated they want to do these things. Therefore, give some credence to the claim. If they openly said they want to attack these people, then when we have this kind of play out, you have to consider that it might be possible. The, the FSB said the group was set up by a Ukrainian under the patronage of Ukraine's intelligence services. Hold on, there's, I thought I had another part. Well, in any case. And this is the SBU, by the way. This is the part we were talking about before. The SBU, who again, we now know has a member of this, this neo-Nazi infiltrated group at the head of their, 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 what was it, the SBU again? Their intelligence services, security services, excuse me. It says, quote, the current statements of the FSB, oh, excuse me, oh yeah, are part of coordinated information operation, which should be only viewed through a prism of hybrid warfare. Now it goes on to say, Moscow has denied planning an attack and blamed Ukraine and NATO for stoking tensions, demanding assurances from U.S.-led alliances that it will not grant membership to Kiev. One of the many, many, many red lines that it drew that you could understand whether or not you agree with Putin. This is an, if it was U.S. in reverse, just like in everything we point out, this would be, this would have been a red line a decade ago. The point is right now, they, this was one of the big ones at the end of all this, where they've already crossed a bunch of red lines. Conducting NATO, they said, if this is the case, then it's a red line. If we consider this arming them, we consider a declaration of war, which they continue to do. Which is why, when this began to happen, it became quite obvious that they were at the very least right about what the U.S. was trying to accomplish. Ukrainian President Zelensky presses U.S. for greater support as fighting intensifies. We saw then Ukraine joins NATO's Cyber Defense Center as a contributing partner. It's already out of the gate. This is, over, this is something they've already been doing. And that's a line that's been crossed. Here he is saying... NATO countries have the green light now to send fighter jets to Ukraine. So we're still dancing the line, but this is, a, this is obviously over the top. You are now sending fighter jets in Ukraine. So you're part, this is, you are in this war, 100%. They want this to continue. Back in 2018, showing Reuters, who, you know, is now, who is reporting this as basically fake news, you go back just far enough and you find that they're reporting themselves. Ukraine's neo-Nazi problem in 2018. They all see this. There's an absolute effort to keep this from people's views, people's view. Now, 
to show the continuity here, the, the track record of how they've been doing this for a while. It goes back long, all the way to 2014, but as you can see here, Task Force Eleni expands Ukraine mission to Kiev. Now, we've already talked about the National Guard working directly with them in regard to, the, excuse me, the California National Guard training them in, in the United States. But we also have the obvious example of how they are openly on the ground training them in 2015. Since 2015, a new U.S. Army unit has commanded the Joint Multinational Training Group Ukraine mission every nine months and advanced the mission, building on previous unit success. Though our, through our analysis, he says, it is clear we need to branch outward and upward across the armed forces Ukraine's training command structure. That was 2000. This is or this is reported 2021. So before you know, this is and it's January, right? So you can see that there's they basically saying. We need, to, we need to grow this, right? We need to branch outward and upward, which brings us to here. There's a lot of this tie over like that, where they basically announced before that we need to kick this into gear, and then, then it gets kicked into gear. In order to increase armed forces in, of Ukraine capacity and meet the training security goals. Currently, Task Force Eleni members solely assist the armed forces of Ukraine in achieving North Atlantic Treaty Organization interoperability by working on the ground with their company and brigade observer controller trainers at combat training center in Ukraine. Right, but Putin's got nothing to worry about in regard to NATO, right? We're literally in this group achieving North Atlantic Treaty NATO interoperability. A gigantic red line. And it's Russia's fault. That in no way justifies that people are dying, that they're all in a big war, that we can disagree with every side. But see, that's not what's happening, obviously. Everyone's like, good, good, go to war because Russia bad. Well, that's still approving a, a of war, right? It's absurd. The bottom line is there's a justifiable reason for him to take the actions he did, even if you can say you disagree with them. That's called being objective, that people desperately run from in the Western press. Now, here is the Florida National Guard unit prepping Ukraine's tough and skilled hombres for Russian attack. February 10th. Okay, so February 10th, before this had really kicked off, here's the Florida National Guard training Russia, Ukraine soldiers to fight. I mean, this, this is exactly what we weren't supposed to really talk about this, especially when we realize that these people are openly neo-Nazi. It says, in far west Ukraine near the border with Poland, at an allied training center, there's a watering hole known as the Swamp, a small place piece of home for roughly 150 members of the Florida National Guard who are gearing the Ukrainian military to protect itself. So however you want to frame this, it's Americans in Ukraine, a part of this fight. That's what's happening, whether they're training or not. The deployment, and again, these are the very groups that we just discussed. The deployment of the Guard's 53rd Infantry Brigade, Brigade combat team known as Task Force Gator began in November last year. Exactly. Long before this started, with a handoff ceremony from the Washington Guard under an early snow, Task Force Gator is the 11th deployment, the 11th deployment of U.S. forces to this training center called the Joint National Training Group Ukraine. Since then, President Barack Obama initiated the program in 2015 in the aftermath of Russia's invasion and annexation of Crimea, which is not what happened. Right. So they used that to argue and drive this in, which they built since then. This has always been a plan. 2015. There's been troops on the ground since 2015, which you know we're going to get into again in another argument. But then what's interesting is after that, when this actually got close to February 12th, 
they removed them. They claimed anyway, U.S. removed about 150 military trainers from Ukraine, just to make sure we see that they were definitely on the ground in Ukraine. About 150 U.S. troops from National Florida Guard, or the Florida National Guard, who have been in Ukraine to help with uh, help train Ukrainian forces, are leaving the country as the threat of Russian invasion increases. All right, so there's been, there was no nothing had been presented to prove anything. Nothing had happened, but you, but Russia standing in its own territory, and they moved them under the argument that it was about to happen. Right, it's just very weird the way this all went down. The trainers will be repositioned within Europe, so they're not going home. Right? They always argue they're going to send them home and then they send them to other places in Europe. Where? Not exactly clear. And it says, it was also not immediately clear what will happen with the small number of U.S. special operations forces in the country. That's not supposed to be talked about today. According to U.S. officials speaking on the condition of anonymity. Okay, so not only were there this training, was there this training group on the ground, they just admitted that there was special operations forces on the ground, by the way, that have been there since this all started. That's not training. Special operations. That's boots on the ground. That's been there. That's been there from the beginning. The coming Ukrainian insurgency. I really want us to think about what the word insurgency means, as I said a moment ago. This is important. The word insurgency implies that the whoever the insurgent is, is fighting back against an invader, an occupier. So if the American military has been training an insurgency since 2015, which is what this CIA operator says on foreign affairs. That means they've been planning for this moment since then. And they've been claiming it was eminent all the way since then. So it just seems like they finally got them to pull the trigger. Like this is an, you can't miss how planned out this has been. The coming Ukrainian insurgency. He's telling you. February 25th, 2022. That says, as a retired Russian-speaking CIA operations officer who, who operated counterinsurgency, so he knows, Putin will face a long, bloody insurgency that could spread across multiple borders. So he's just psychic, apparently. And the idea is that that's the, that's the point. They want this to become a long, in-depth idea that drains them of resources, while the U.S. is arguably not putting much in. Putin may not be prepared for the insurgency or insurgencies to come. It says, thanks to Putin's aggression, anti-Russian fervor, and homegrown nationalism. He's talking about the neo-Nazi problem. That, have sur- that, that thanks to the anti-aggression and anti-Russian fervor and homegrown nationalism have surged in Ukraine. So, he's bl- so this is interesting. He's essentially blaming the white supremacist rise on Putin's aggression. We know that's not true. And by the way, he knows that's not true because that's the whole point. That's what we're talking about here. The CIA is, in fact, the very group, and we'll make this clear, that has been doing this. They're building this. So it's pretty ridiculous that we can pretend, like, since he invaded a couple, you know, this, by the way, this is on the day it happened. This is on 25th. So he's arguing that his aggression is what is causing this white supremacist threat that's been building since 2015. Right. Makes sense. Ukrainians have spent the last eight years planning, training, and equipping themselves for resisting this occupation, as well as murdering people in the Donbass region. Right. Of course. These long borders offer the United States and NATO an enduring way to support Ukrainian resistance and a long-term insurgency and to stoke unrest in Belarus should the United States and its allies choose to just covertly aid opposition to uh, uh, Lukashenko's regime. Like, just recognize how this is the quiet part out loud. These people don't care. One, 
The idea that there's NATO members around this is what makes this possible. That's exactly what Putin has been warning about and concerned about for eight years and the building of the NATO encroachment around Russia. If it was the U.S., nope, everybody would be like, of course, this is unacceptable, but him, bad guy, doesn't matter, right? Also, allow, it also goes on to say, and a long-term insurgency and to stoke unrest in Belarus or, and basically allows them a long-term insurgency, which shows you that's what their plan is. But he says it may allow them to stoke unrest in another sovereign country that's not even like allied, but doesn't seemingly be, in, it's not seemingly involved in this, at least on the surface. I'm sure that's probably happening. The point is, how do you rationalize, legally speaking, that you're going to un- destabilize this country just to manipulate what this, what the, who is in charge? We, the point is, I can't even say that. We all know that's what happens. We all know what the, these governments do that. They just frame it for freedom. And some of these absolute two-party maniacs out there go along with it for one side or the other. Destabilizing Belarus just because you want somebody else in power is exactly what happened in Ukraine. It's exactly what happened in Afghanistan. It's exactly what happened in Iraq, Libya, on and on and on. It's what they do. And it's verifiable. And here is a CIA person who's been involved just stating it for you. We may just decide to destabilize Belarus because we don't like them. Yeah, but we're all about freedom, though, right? And Ukraine's all about democracy, right? God, we're childish. You know, I don't know why we can't see this stuff. As the United States learned in Vietnam and Afghanistan, two terrifyingly destructive areas that they destroy, or wars that they destroyed the countries, an insurgency that has reliable supply lines, ample reserves of fighters and sanctuary over the border can sustain itself indefinitely. That's, that's why Afghanistan was the important part to start at, as the big new Brzezinski pointed out back in the 70s, because it was about Afghanistan to Iraq to, it was a supply line, right? That's why they're desperate to maintain all pump in Syria and everything else, guys. It's about Iran and whatever else they're aiming at. They know this because that's what they do. They can sap an occupying army, their will to fight and exhaust political support for the occupation at home. It's what they're doing all over the world. The United States will inevitably, invariably, be a major and essential source of backing for the Ukrainian insurgency. So he knows this. Why? Because that's the plan. That's what they've been building toward. And it's very clear on the record. And he basically admits it in this article. We, the United States and its NATO allies can openly aid in its defense with weapons. They're already doing that. Training and cash, already doing that. It's reasonable to deduce that the CIA's legal charter to partner with foreign intelligence counterparts has allowed it to provide training, which they already are on the record, and materials to Ukraine's partners for years, just as U.S. military trainers have worked with and supplied their Ukrainian counterparts. Oh, right there, what he's talking about is Belarus. He's admitting they're arming Ukrainians. Military support for action against a sovereign country, which, by the way, Condoleezza Rice just stated was an absolute war crime beyond a shadow of a doubt on Fox News because we're pointing only at Russia right now. He's saying military support for that open war crime with which the United States is not at war with has to be clandestine. Of course, because our war crimes can't be open, right? We don't want to just advertise that we're murdering people for no reason, right? That, that's his, he, they know that they do this, guys. This is the CIA speaking. All they do is tell you something different. And the Western press happily parrots the lie. Much like U.S. support for the Afghan Mujahideen against the Soviet Union in the 1980s, which they lied about, said were fake news, up until it was become known fact. Because it was so long ago that it no longer matters, despite the fact that that's where it all got started. That's what became Al-Qaeda, then became ISIS, and they've used ever since. For Iraqi for Iraq's Kurds prior to 2003 invasion, who they've used like a tool left and right, and for the, rebel in Syria, the rebels in Syria. 
He's pointing to that. Those weren't rebels. They were terrorists. We all, they've even been forced to admit that these were jihadis in Idlib that they are in at where it basically ended up the focal point that they moved from Libya, that came from all over the world, that they funded and armed and allowed to carry out chemical weapons attacks. This was verifiable stuff. But yeah, but let's use that as a model, right? Because we just have to do it clandestinely. We can't get caught like Obama did. Attacking behind enemy lines would require a presidential covert action. Of course, because attacking enemy lines or attacking countries covertly behind the scenes that you're not even at war with, totally acceptable as long as you get a presidential action and covertly do it. Yep. This is your government, guys. If you're in the U.S., US, this is your government. That's what they do. As long as they yell freedom on the surface, this is what they do on a regular basis. The CIA's recent experience in supporting and fighting insurgencies in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria, all these places that they utterly destroyed, prepares us for Russia's modern conventional forces. All right, so it's okay that we destroyed these countries and absolutely murdered lots of people. It's okay because now we're ready for Russia. A Yahoo News report back in January described a covert CIA training program for elite Ukrainian special operations forces. Okay, we already they already admitted in other articles that there were already special operations on the ground, not CIA, military. Now we also know that we have training programs and CIA training programs on the ground and other intelligence personnel as well, back from 2015. We already knew this, but the point was that this is obvious. According to the report, the effort included the deployment of CIA paramilitary officers to Ukraine. This, this is being openly admitted, and this is fake news to the mainstream media right now. That's what's been going on. They're building towards the insurgency that they're creating. Here's the Yahoo News article. Jan- this is from January, before it all started. CIA-trained Ukrainian paramilitaries may take central role if they push them, if we push them successfully to evade. The CIA is overseeing a secret intensive training program in the United States for elite Ukrainian special operations forces. So they were bringing over these neo-Nazis into the United States and training them by the CIA, who, by the way, is not supposed to operate in the United States. Oops. That doesn't matter, though, because nothing is sacred to these people. It says, according to five former intelligence and national security officials, that's where this comes from. It could be a lie still. doesn't matter because you don't get to prove anything because that's what mainstream is today. The program, which started in 2015, is based at an undisclosed facility in the southern U.S., Anybody concerned that the CIA is openly operating inside the United States? Who cares? They always do, is the point. Okay, here is the the actual material on the ground. Here is Patrick Lancaster, who documented this. USA and the UK's lethal aid to Ukraine captured by the Donbass forces and Russian forces. As it says, part of the lethal aid from the United States. Cool. So basically showing you that it's in the hands of the very people that we're talking about, the very neo-Nazi groups that are fighting back. Here is a report from, from Russia, uh, Russian forces demonstrating some of those captured munitions, which, by the way, look exactly the same. And by the way, that's not even a secret. The point is simply that this is going directly to the people they claim they're not supposed to be arming. And the reality is, that we already showed you, they went out of their way to remove that discussion, even though ABC still dishonestly argues that's the reality, wherever that was. Right there. Or no. Did I get mixed up? Anyway, the point is, <laughs> the point is, it's right here. 
that they removed the stipulation before the bill even went into action. So they pretended to stop funding neo-Nazis and then they made sure to fund them. And then when the votes came around to de- to not to glorify it, they said, no, 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 don't vote on that because we're arming those people and we don't want to, like, this is where this goes. This is obvious. So they're arming these people. Just make sure we understand that. Just like they armed the Syrians and pretended they weren't until they admitted they were. It's the same dynamic over and over. Now we go to and a very revealing argument being made by Washington, the Wall Street Journal. Exactly what we already told you was happening, except in reverse. I find this to be very, very obvious. Russia's recruiting Syrians, says U.S. officials. Now, by the way, just, so, just to make it clear, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's people that Russia worked with in Syria that they would bring. To, I mean, I, this doesn't surprise me at all. My point is not to say that it's not happening. It could be. I don't see any evidence of that other than U.S. officials say, which almost always seems to mean it's not true these days. But doesn't mean I've already decided it's not true. My point is I just when they say that and don't provide evidence, that's a very obvious reason to suggest it's not true based on their track record. Right there. Moscow is doing this, according to U.S. officials. And then, by the way, every other article reporting the same thing then points to Wall Street Journal instead of saying USS, or they say it in the article. But the point is, Russia's looks to recruit Syrians. Report. And then it says, Russian officials looking to recruit soldiers to fight, cites the Wall Street Journal. So you might just glance at this and be like, ooh, that's a report. No, it's just U.S. government intelligence saying something and being reported by Western press because they're not journalists. That's what's happening. That's, read them for yourselves. It's just them saying it and then reporting it. That's it. How is that even happening anymore? It's because these people are just stenographers. But my point is, not that this isn't possibly happening, but I want to make sure we see that there's no evidence about for it, but that this has already been reported in the reverse. That the people in the Ukrainian government are in fact bringing over some of these extremists to fight against Russia. Now, what I find very interesting about that is that that seems to show, again, the sort of contradictions we found in regard to the Syrian war, where they claim these people are religious extremists fighting for their jihad or whatever they're talking about, but then you find them fighting alongside, I don't know, all sorts of different religions and different people. That didn't make any sense. Because at the end of the day, it's just a narrative. Now, I do believe that they're absolutely using these neo-Nazi groups that are clearly extreme or uh, driven to this extreme uh, belief but that doesn't also that doesn't mean that they're not also using as the ukraine government that has no stake like it's the same thing as pretending the u.s government cares about one thing or the other they just they say them and they use them insofar as they can to achieve their goal so same point here whether Zelensky's a jew or not or whatever else we're talking about it's just a government that's going to use the tools that the u.s government's paying them to use so if we're seeing these already shuttled over that's what the mainstream press report at the very least into Ukraine, it's interesting that days later we see them report the exact opposite about Russia. Now, that may be because they want to end up laying this at their feet and say, look what they brought in, all these bad people. So we just have to ask these questions. But here is what I said about this, because I find it revealing, ahead of their narrative once again. This is straight up propaganda. We just went over recent mainstream articles, again, discussing how the openly neo-Nazi battalion, CIA battalion, was recruiting foreign fighters from Syria and elsewhere. Sort of ties over this like a vanilla ISIS narrative, doesn't it? And then Scott points out, I wonder if all that cash said to be found at the Red Cross station is luring in mercenaries. Good, interesting point. But I want to read this last part from Whitney's article, just to kind of tie this together for everybody under the head of the end part of the, the dawn of domestic terror. Cause that's where this goes. 
right? Don't forget that the idea of the, the white supremacist domestic terror threat that Biden's really pushing is really hollow and very clearly directly tied to the Azov Battalion or rather the Ukraine government. Just don't forget, I already proved this to you. Actually, it's right here. The Rise Above Movement, right? Which, by the way, is the direct connection to the Azov Battalion. Via the Azov political wing, the movement has gone international on multiple fronts with known contacts in Germany's neo-Nazi third path and specifically the Rise Above Movement. As in this article discusses, they've had direct meetings, both virtual and in person. Okay, so the point is, the Rise Above Movement was the group they pointed at at Charlottesville and tried to lay at the feet of Trump and the Republican movement. So how is that the case when you can prove that at that moment, the Trump administration was arming and funding the Azov Battalion? I, 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 if you believe Trump is on your side, he maybe didn't know that. Regardless, it's happening still now. The Biden administration and the Obama administration before that are arming and funding this group. And yet when they point at the Rise Above movement, which it's very easy to tie back because they're open about it directly to the Azov Battalion, who we know they're arming and funding and been building an insurgency since 2015, it begins to become very flimsy. And the idea, guys, is they're building the very thing they want to point at to aim it at you even though they're the ones funding it and arming it. And I doesn't, it doesn't mean these people don't believe what they're doing. Just like I argue there's plenty of religious zealots over in Syria that were manipulated. Think about that, how obvious that is. That was Charlottesville. Remember the whole big push with the torches, which weirdly look exactly like the Azov Battalion? Exactly. Very, very obvious. Now, the point is that's what's being built against you. That's why they've been arming this. And it goes against Russia and the American population. Now it says, while January 6th was used to equate support for former President Trump with neo-Nazism and white supremacism, recent articles that have followed Russia's recent military campaign against Ukraine deliberately link this Putin as Hitler narrative with U.S. Republicans for seemingly no reason. They just argue that Trump says he doesn't like Putin, but wink, wink, we know the truth. Sort of like Putin's playbook. Oh, so you've just randomly decided that's the truth and you don't have to prove it? Cool. Journalism. But it says on March 2nd, Salon re uh, reported, or, and, uh, reported an article entitled How White Supremacy Fuels the Republican Love Affair with Putin. Seriously, that's where that goes. There's nothing that makes sense of that. They just say, look at Republicans. We know they're fascist. And look at, look at Putin. He's fascist. Oh, it's perfect. They work together. It's really that flimsy and it's just painful to read. Today's Republican Party is America's and the world's largest white supremacist and white ideology organi identity organization. Think about that, framing half the country that way, despite the fact that the most obvious white supremacist organization that's the actual embodiment of what that is, they've been building in Ukraine. And that's why this whole thing began to be focused on. Now it says, as this muddy muddying of the water is regarding the relationship among Putin, the U.S. Republican Party, and white supremacism escalates, we also have intelligence agencies in Europe and the U.S. increasingly linking opposition to COVID measures, like lockdowns and vaccine mandates, to neo-Nazism. How do we miss that crossover? It just happens to be the thing they, they were pointing and making references to right before this starts? Come on. White supremacism and the far right, frequently with little to no evidence, as we know that recently happened with the Freedom Convoy. Absolutely baseless. The coming, quote, global white supremacist terror threat if we are to believe the our unusually prescient intelligence officials, appears to be the next thing, to befall the world as the COVID crisis wanes. 
It also appears that the CIA has crowned itself the midwife and chosen Ukraine as the birthplace of this new terror threat, one which will create not only the new proxy war between U.S. empire and its adversaries, but also the pretext to launch the war on domestic terror in North America and Europe. And I'll point as she references the RIM movement, the rise above, or the, the Russian imperial movement, very weirdly close to the RAM movement, which is rise above movement. The point is the RIM movement is a group that you can point at in, in, in Russia. Now, Russia, for their, for their point, has seized stuff from them, arrested people, attacked them, arrested them. I mean, you could argue that's all a show, but <laughs> prove it, please. I need evidence. I'm willing to consider all these things, but what you can see and what they've said challenge exactly what they claim they're building over there. Rim is the biggest threat to white throat. That's what they're framing it as, right? And the bottom line is, this is what they're going to tell you is happening in, in, in Ukraine. That's what we believe, and I believe that's coming, even though that's obviously not what's happening. They're going to try to frame it this way. Now, finally, just to make this point even more clear, this was, Doom showed me this right before we started. Check this out. This is on, I knew that was going to happen. I hate the way TikTok, these things, the way they, you can't roll back. You have to pause it and refresh. I hate these platforms, but let me refresh it real quick and pause. Okay, hold on. There we go. Russian Nazi death squads are hunting Ukraine's president. Right. Now, who knows? Maybe it's true. I don't see any evidence of it whatsoever. You watch this video for yourself. All they do is the same flimsy thing the mainstream press tries to do, which is point at one person in Russian positions that they claim is is a Nazi. And apparently he's got a certain tattoo and they show a picture of him. And that's it. Apparently that means they're all Nazis, right? That's the kind of logic they use. Now, how about the fact that we can literally point to all of these people in Ukraine openly calling themselves now? Yeah, that doesn't matter. Fake news. Then they're, they're, the idea, this is the, the narrative. This is going to transition into what they built. That's what they're trying to do. And I think we've destroyed this narrative. I really do. But here it is. It's already beginning. Now, to go over Patrick's stuff reasonably quickly, we're already, we're pretty long. We're almost at three hours. So I'm going to try to expedite this through the rest of it. From the front line, the Telegraph reports, Ukrainian fighter's diary. Now, whether or not, and apparently this guy works with Telegraph, regardless of any of that, we're talking about somebody who has literally picked up arms to fight for one side. And all we do is report what we're told from one side. This, that, this is simply ridiculous. It could be true, sure. But don't we, wouldn't we recognize this person would be more invested in one narrative than the other, seeing as how he literally decided to possibly die for it? But yeah, let's just continue to push forward what they're telling you is happening without any real evidence. This, or I shouldn't say evidence without any real proof, because this would constitute evidence. But again, you could argue that he's making it up. The reality is this is how they're framing it because they don't want to show you the other evidence, which also could be manipulated, but they just don't want you to see it. And I'll show you that. Now, again, please read this. I'll include it for my, I'll include it. Where they're arguing that they're shelling civilians and it's terrible and Russia, a bad guy. And everything they do is about murdering people. They just don't care. I mean, that's what this all is. It's an emotional ploy, whether or not it's true. Because really what it goes down to is just a bunch of statements that they aren't being backed up other than the fact this person wrote it in a book, right? Now here is. Yaroslav Tromanov, and he's the foreign chief affairs correspondent for the Wall Street Journal. As I understand it, this is reasonably recent, I think, and this is somebody from Ukraine. So think about it the same way. Today, we came to Irpin to watch the evacuation of Ukrainian civilians. Then Russian shells started falling around. Ten minutes later, a father and mother and child were lying dead 
next to a monument who's lo to locals who had fought Nazi Germany. What a coincidence. Putin's dirty war, he says. Right, now, would Russia take sh shell an area where there are civilians? I have no doubt. I don't think any government would balk at that if they thought it was worth the what they were doing. Now, I'm sure people out there would disagree with that. Maybe people that have decided or maybe people that know deeper than I do that one, they are something they're not or blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is, I don't think any government would really walk away from something like that if they thought it would be worth it for them. But ask yourself this. On one side, again, they're open about what they want to do to the Russian separatists. The mainstream press just doesn't tell you that. And we've read from even FAIR and other, other outlets that that's openly what they said. Now, on the other side of this, you've got Russia, who is under a microscope and a, a very dishonest, manipulative microscope that lies about what they're seeing, everything they're moving and doing. The Western press is constantly freaking out about. So why in the world would they choose to do that? There's zero benefit to it. Now, I'm not saying that means it didn't happen. I'm just trying to say this. This is logic. And it's the same thing we talked about with Syria, which, by the way, turned out to be false. Just because they say he's a maniac doesn't mean that they would take actions that would directly undermine their, what they're trying to do. On top of the fact that even if you're trying to argue they're trying to take this place, why would they want to murder the very people they want to later try and rule? That's not what, that's what, that would be what they frame him as. But clearly, that's not who he, what he is. That's not what Assad is. Doesn't mean they wouldn't take action that would hurt people. I just has basic stuff. So I just don't understand why this would make sense. Why they would choose to attack the civilians so it could be used against them by the media, by the Ukrainian government, by the U.S. government, exactly like this. It just doesn't make sense. Exactly. And someone says British film crews were just magically there too, right? And of course, just happened to be right next to a monument to people who fought Nazi, Nazi Germany in a location that's overtly white supremacist. I mean, along people that, ab I mean, we just showed you the video where they were out marching in support of the guy who in fact worked with the Nazis as a person in this area, right? It's just, this is ridiculous to me. That's how it feels. Now here is the actual article. Now what I find ridiculous, first of all, I mean, I just, I, you can you can come to your own conclusions about the picture. I, I, I have no doubt this was at least, even if these people did die right here, that it was staged in some way, like they always do. And they don't find it to be dishonest propping things up a certain way or laying a backpack next to them. We've, we've seen this proven. And my point here is that this is openly shown on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Now, if I, it, back on YouTube days, would put something like this, you'd be censored instantly because it's un, you're not allowed to show stuff like that. Of course, it's okay when they do it because they want you to be outraged. They want you just to see this and emotionally get upset about what they say is happening. Now, let's just pretend this did happen for sure. It certainly could have. People die in war. I'm not saying that's okay. What I'm saying is you're in a situation where you're, and the U.S. government does this constantly. You just don't get, you just don't hear about it. And in fact, when you do hear about it, which is damn near all the time, which shows you how much more it does happen. It was kind of confusing when I said that, but the point is that people, you hear about these things quite often, even though they are few and far between in the way the mainstream media reports on it. It's pretty damn consistent as we know. Throughout history, it's every, like, every, so, I mean, we get, we hear about it from human rights organizations, from people on the ground, and finally they end up admitting it. Like, yeah, we did kind of kill people, but we were not as many as you thought. Well, so that's still a war crime. The point is that Russia is, is bombing locations and attacks are happening, and it's certainly possible that people can get killed that shouldn't get killed. I'm not saying that's okay. That's why I don't agree with any of this. But my point simply is what they don't show you is the other parts of this. As Patrick Lancaster showed you, 
the the Donbass civilians in the middle of a massive civilian area that is nowhere near where they're supposed to be shelling in regard to the official like you know this is this is what it looks like to shell civilian areas documentably and show people on the ground that got bombed because of it and you should question what he's showing you but nonetheless what you get on the other side of it are some photographs from mainstream press that have been lying to you your entire lives which ultimately ends up arguing something that I don't even think makes sense, but I'm just saying that because it's my opinion. And then they say Russian shells a family, kill a family as thousands try to escape north to the capital. Then think about this. This is how this whole thing has been working. So right here they're going, they're all trying to flee, but the Russians are bombing them because they don't want them to flee. Okay, but wait a minute. Here is a new report saying Moscow's humanitarian corridors to Russia and Belarus are unacceptable. Right. So because people are fleeing to Russia and they don't like that, they go, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't let, we, we, they, we, we need to force them back into our control. Right. Let's not be, let's be clear about what these people are doing with these Russian separatists and elsewhere or the Ukrainians that are seemingly wanting to flee towards Russia. I'm certainly some of them fleeing the other way. I promise you there's plenty of Ukrainians that don't want to go to Russia. Maybe think, see them as the bad guy. Doesn't, my point is there are some that do want to go towards Russia. And, and Ukrainians don't want that to happen. Freedom, right? But here's my point. If it's unacceptable, and in fact, they go out of their way to say no, they reject it completely. They say it's completely immoral. It's completely immoral for you to rescue them in, our, in your direction. We have to take them. Okay, so you think that played a factor on whether or not the people were able to flee? That maybe the Ukrainians didn't want them to go? And maybe we had they've spoken openly about how they wanted to stop? Come on, we have to ask this obvious question, especially since we're talking about openly neo-Nazi white supremacists that have threatened terrorism. But yeah, they're defending freedom, clearly. Wall Street Journal doesn't even remotely try to get into the dynamic of this. I'm just saying there's, there's an obvious one-sided narrative happening here, guys, and all they want to show you is that. Now, here's my point about this, which is horrific. Now, I should have said graphic warning. I apologize. The reality here, guys, is this is Lancaster on the ground, and I want to play you his video. It's, it's short. It's only one minute. But this is stuff that you can confirm for yourself. And I recommend you check out work of Eva Bartlett and plenty of other people that have been covering this for a long time, or Vanessa Bealey. I'm Patrick Lancaster here in the center of Donetsk, the capital of the Donetsk People's Republic. And as you see behind me, the city is still trying to live. But unfortunately, not everyone is living here in the center at the, the uh, Miners Square, uh, uh, Plushit Shakhtors, as they uh, call it. There was an attack by Ukraine forces. And this attack sent shrapnel across this high rise here. The impact of the shell impacted right here, sending the shrapnel into the building. This uh, looks like it could be even a, a small bus. It's unclear, a van or what it is. And through that, and killing these two civilians here. This, Ukraine doesn't, it's the second day in a row Ukraine shelled the center of Donetsk. This could not continue. Something needs to be done to stop this. Shelled the center of, we're not, see, we're not talking about the front lines here, guys. They are openly shelling the center of these civilian areas. And by the way, this is easily shown. These are big, open civilian areas. And there's plenty of people pointing at it. The Western press don't care. 
Now, does that mean that that's not happening in reverse? No. But what I can tell you is I don't have this kind of evidence to, to can definitively point at it. We get the reports like Western Press that say, this is what we're reporting to you, and here's a steel shot. Trust us. Even though we've gotten caught lying about Russiagate and every other topic we've gotten into. It's very disgusting, guys, and this is horrible however you spin it. But you're not getting the full picture, and I think you know that. Now, here was some more reports on this you could check out for yourself where this goes on where she's discussing and upset about her house and her children being attacked. And this is, it, it goes on to say there are several houses in the street, several houses in the street, uh, fragments, also pieces of the glass stuck in the wall. No, so let's uh, Ella, talk at this. No. Yeah, I'm just going to mute it and go forward so you guys can see for the podcast. It's hard to listen to and, and read at the same time. No, it says, how many shells have landed, if you remember? Frankly speaking, she says, I did not count them, so I cannot say. Everything has happened in just 10 minutes or so. Can you tell what this is? A fragment of iron, a piece of the window. Point is, these are civilians' homes, and he's speaking to lots of people in this video and showing them what's happening, showing how their families are being attacked and showing how they're running. I mean, it's, and the point is, what we keep seeing is these discussions of people in bomb shelters in one side of the narrative. Pan, Lancaster, and, and by the way, RT has also shown that. But of course, because RT fake news doesn't matter. We won't even look at it. It's just ignorance, willful ignorance. Anybody honest and objective would look at all of it, show you all of it, and 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 tell you that we should be thinking question. We should be showing discernment and recognizing, like in the fog of war or whatever they say, these things can. That's the point. But no, they ignore real footage while showing you things that then get shown to be absolutely false by the Ukrainian government. We keep showing you this. This was, let's see, uh, that looks to come up next. Let's see. Dang, I don't know which one. Uh, let's just do this. There it is. Perfect. I want to include this, this link just because it's just embarrassingly obvious. Using pictures from 2019, using video games, using pictures from over Russia and claiming it's over Ukraine. You can verify all this for yourself. Off Guardian knocked out of the park. Even, even that colonel on TV said, yeah, these are all fake. We can keep showing they're fake in 24 hours. They don't care. Though. They just jump to the next stone. We don't care. We're not looking back. How dare you question these people? You're a terrorist, right? That's where we are right now. The point is that this stuff you can see, you can, I mean, no one's debunking this stuff. Please show me why it's fake. I'm questioning it like anything else. But what we can do is prove that what Ukraine's putting out has been repeatedly fake. So wouldn't that fall into your thinking, your thought process? Well, apparently not in the mainstream. And then here's one of the earlier ones on February 21st, which, by the way, is before Russia began the invasion, right? Which, by the way, is by definition invasion, whether you support what they're doing or not. So words have meaning. I get the weird pushback there. I felt it in the beginning, too. But the point is, nonetheless, it's what it is. But here, Ukraine shells two schools in Donetsk, Donetsk, killing one before it happened. Right. So this is all the kind of stuff we keep seeing. They have been killing people in this region in the middle of these civilian areas for eight years. And that doesn't matter, apparently. On top of that, remember this discussion. This is a great article from uh, uh, Robert in the cash. Western hypocrisy over the Ukraine-Russia war. Basically discussing how hypocritical they are. Since talking about how they censor news and they censor news and talking about everything they keep saying. How dare they? They're doing themselves. But the image was the point. Do not forget that the image on the left is what was supposedly the kindergarten in Ukraine. And on the right, we're talking about a, 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 a Palestinian walking in front of their home that was destroyed by the Israelis. 
One mattered to the Western press and the other didn't, except the point was the kindergarten on the left turned out to be in the, the Luanx region, in Donbass. And yet the Western press said, oh my God, they, the Russians destroyed a, a kindergarten. And then they ran past it as fast as they could. Guess it doesn't matter. The facts don't matter, right? Now here is another Western report from AP. Mariupol, the group, the very area that we've been talking about, that we've been discussing how they have been training these people, where we know the Azov Battalion and the right sector in Georgia Legion and all these white supremacist groups are, are collected there. And that Russia's been pointing at and saying they're doing, they're about to do something there, right? That all of a sudden, this whole city blows up in problems. Shouldn't we ask whether or not these white supremacists that have been saying they're going to do something and don't like, they're going to kill, shouldn't we ask these? Of course we should but not in the Western press. But they say, scenes of despair resolve in the Ukrainian city. Now, again, I'm not saying this didn't happen. It's just horrifyingly sad. If these people suffered because of what's been happening there, because of what the U.S. government created here, then that's very unfortunate. And it is very sad. My point is what we get is a still shot, a emotionally fraught narrative, which is left and right. A man dashes from the hospital, desperately wounded toddlers. It's just, it's a story. They're telling you a story. You'll note there's no links. There's no source material. It's just an image. It sources back to their general coverage of the Ukraine crisis. Okay, so what it comes down to is trusting these people and whether or not they're telling you the truth. I think by their names in general, you can kind of realize where this is coming from. The point is, re- the bottom line, they are selling you a narrative. It could be true, but you should question it because why? Well, they've been caught lying to you about things and we constantly see them fact-checking things that they're lying about over and over and over. Or we already know that they've lied about what's been happening or that they continue to lie about what's happening, right? So this, in an area where we know they've been building things that very people were concerned about, should be questioned. But you see, you're not allowed to because how dare you, that baby, right? That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to get you emotionally invested. And this is the kind of thing that it's leading to. This is the red scare kind of situation. This You're not allowed, as, as, this, as the article puts it, expressing wrong think. Oh, you're not allowed to say that. It doesn't even matter if it's true. As it says, man ordered to leave televised Q&A for expressing wrong think on Russia. It's, it's really, it's really incredible. Now, what this basically is a, so this talk show, they're, at, they're basically on a panel and they're, they're getting people's opinions about the, the general Ukraine-Russia situation. And apparently, as is before we get into the part we're going to play, it's it's basically going around and everyone's giving their sob stories about what they're hearing about Ukraine. That's what we're that's what it is. Because not, these aren't people that are come from Ukraine. They're going around talking about well, their families over there. Or we heard Western press said this, and people are dying over there. That's what we're hearing. So, so as he then stands up and says, as you're about to hear, as somebody who you know is from the Russian side of this. So I, I have a Russian perspective. Here's my opinion. Watch what they do. I mean, I, I was actually, as much as I didn't, I know this is what they do. I was kind of shocked by the way that this happened. As someone who comes from the Russian community here in so as someone who comes from the Russian community here in Australia, I've been pretty outraged by the narrative created by our media depicting the Ukraine as the good guy and Russia as the bad guy. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Russians here and around the world that support what Putin uh, is doing in the Ukraine, myself included. Uh, since Okay, so just before we get into the next part, 
that's totally off the board. You're not allowed to do that. You can't say that. You can't support what Putin. That, that's that's the kind of why not? Isn't that just some? Isn't that just an opinion? Yes, it is. You see, we're in this hyper partisan, hyper polarized, hyper extremist version. That's what I said the other day about the West pulling off its mask of extremism. That's what they—they're the extremists, guys. They're the ones that are hyper extremism. They're—they're they're the partisanship and what they're doing. That's what's drive. I think the whole point was trying to drive the right to become extreme. That's what they wanted. And it's just not left or right. It's just about choosing a side. The bottom line is, aren't people allowed to think differently? Apparently not today. So thinking that what he's doing is actually taking care of bad people in the world, if you believe that, you're not allowed to think. Just like you're not allowed to think that you you shouldn't get a vaccination in COVID world. Not allowed. You're off the table. The bad guy. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Russians here and around the world that support what Putin uh, is doing in the Ukraine, myself included. He is brave. Uh, since 2014. Uh, the Ukrainian government, together with Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion, have besieged the Russian populations in the Donbass. Look at her face. These are the kind of mindless talking heads that think they're so smart. Oh, I, or, you know, I, you, I, this, this stupid kid, I can't believe. These are verifiable facts. What you mean? We just showed you. Undeniable facts. And this kid is brave. Whether this is kid's right or not, or you agree with him or not, you know that's brave. That's a brave thing to do, to stand up in the midst of a group of people that desperately agree disagree with you and express your opinion. Good for him. But damn it, they're about to go after this kid. And he probably is still suffering from this because he's wrong think for, for expressing facts. Killing an estimate uh, since 2014. Uh, the Ukrainian government, together with Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion, have besieged the Russian populations in the Donbass, killing an estimated 13,000 people, Can I... according to the United Nations. That's right. According to the United Nations. Right, because fake news, though, because they're anti-Semitic when they say anything we don't like, as, as, as Israel does, right? Facts, except when we don't like to hear them. That's yeah. right in the Donbass, killing an estimated 13,000 people, Can I... according to the United Nations. That's a lie. That's yeah. a lie. That's a lie. Could I finish? Just, just, just quick, quick, quickly finish and then, and then we'll come to, yeah, that, yeah. Put that to the panel. So my, my question is, you know, where was your outpouring of grief and concern for those thousands of mostly Russians? Exactly. Um, OK, question earlier about Russia, and it's been playing on my mind. And, Sasha, people here have been talking about family who are suffering and people are dying. And I understand you wanted to ask your question about is there some reasoning for this, but you supported what's happening, hearing that people are dying. And can I just say I'm just not comfortable with you being here? Could, could you please leave? Wow, think about the nerve of that guy. First of all, that this is a young kid. Like, how dare you put him, like, you just destroyed that kid's life in regard to where he's going to go back to in this propagandized country, you just made a meme out of him. Like, you just turned him into something he's not. You're the idiot. The guy who just did that, you know, here's the point, though. You can see the clip where this is later in the show. The point is, he was told, somebody talked into his ear and said, yeah, you need to do something about that. We're getting all sorts of calls. People are unhappy. You got to get that kid off the stage. That's what happened. I promise you. And so because he has an opinion that you have decided is outside the realm of acceptable thought today on a talk show, you force this kid to leave the show. Damn it, man. This is problematic. I mean, we need to see this is red scare level. People have lost their minds. And I'm telling you, this comes from COVID. This psychosis never went away. People have lost their minds right now.
And what he cited was 100% fact. Yes, the UN said that. Yes, the Azov Battalion's working with them. Yes. And where was your outrage for these people? Right? How dare you undermine our outrage by pointing out that we didn't care about your people, you disgusting hypocrite. Oh, he's the hypocrite, right? He pointed out your hypocrisy and you can't stand it. God, it makes me mad. I've, I've been... It's really no, Sasha. I'm sorry. You, you, you can ask a question. You can ask a question, but we cannot advocate violence. I should have asked you to leave then. It's been playing on my mind, and I'm. But, so, just to respond, somebody's saying, I'm saying in regard to what they turned him into, in regard to the propaganda, propagandized masses, obviously, right? When he turned him into a truthful hero, well, no, he didn't turn him into anything. He's a truthful hero because he's a truthful hero, right? <laughs> So no, that guy on the stage, that moron you're staring at, didn't turn him into anything other than what the other people will attack him for. That's my point. He was a truthful hero for speaking the truth, whether or not this blue tie idiot spoke up. No, Sasha, I'm sorry. You, you, you can ask a question. You can ask a question, but we cannot advocate violence. I should have asked you to leave then. It's advocate violence? You see what I mean? How in the world do you turn in pointing out a reality, pointing out another side of the argument is advocating violence? I mean, my God, he simply said many people around the world support what he's doing. And even if you argue he supported what he's doing, it doesn't mean you're okay with people being hurt. For crying out loud, these people are children. This guy is a child, a mental child. It's been playing on my mind. And I'm sorry, but I have to ask you to leave, please. Okay, well, could I? No, 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 please, please, please. He just said you can ask a question and then didn't let him ask a question, right? He just, it's ridiculous. Just, 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 just out of respect. Just, no, please, we're not having the conversation, Sasha. We, we can't have people. The point is this lady goes, I have a, somebody in Ukraine, which maybe she does. But he goes, well, I've got friends in Donbass, right? Oh, does that not matter? Right. Just, it's just ridiculous how this is a one-sided thing. These people's outrage has been justified because the government says it's okay. His is not. You're not allowed to be outraged about their murder because they're bad people. It, it is just simply childish. Advocating violence. And I should have asked you to leave. It's been playing on my mind. I wanted to have a, a proper conversation about these things, but I have to ask you to leave. I'm really sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry for that, but you know, these things happen, it's live television, you think about these things, it's really been troubling me that we can have a conversation and we can look at where, where, where the arguments are and we can try to look at the sides of the argument. We can't have, have that, and I'm, I'm sorry, it should have happened. Right, what a pathetic way to try to rally. We, we look at the sides of it, except we don't look at that one because we can't accept it. <laughs> Unacceptable! Talk about being contradictory. This guy just tried to worm his way out of a ridiculous thing he did. And I care. I just, it, this is bad news, guys. These people are the ones leading the charge right now in regard to what they're projecting as the mainstream, I would argue. I really don't think most people buy this right now. That's my opinion. Same like I had the opinion around COVID. Now, here's an interesting point. Bonvoy, I tweeted this out. For those watching the podcast, it's, a, it's an image with a, a red, a red uh, uh, country that you can't see the name of. Nine out of 10 Americans can't name this country. Why don't you go ahead and give me a comment in the chat? What do you think this country is, guys? And why can't nine out of 10 Americans name that country? What do you think it is? Should have gotten that Jeopardy theme. 
<laughs> I just want to wait and see somebody respond. Anybody, I'm not going to give you a hard time for guessing wrong. That's not the point. The point is, is I'll show you what the point is once somebody puts a guess out in the chat. What do you think it is? Because it's really, most people have a tough time with geography. One, because as Americans, we're not really taught <laughs> to really care about geography. We go through a basic guessing game of maps and then we just move on, right? Okay, so Anthony might have, okay, we got, this is good. We got a mixed bag. So Anthony's right. It's Kazakhstan. Now, the interesting part about it is I think we're so cued today. And by the way, just, just to be fair, it does sort of have a Ukraine look if you compare the things. It's not Ukraine. But what's interesting is that we are so cued to that right now that that's what a lot of people assumed when they, when they did this. Now, my point is to show you this, and it says, I'm a native USCN, and I see Ukraine immediately. But I'm a product of U.S. when education was halfway decent. Person says, it's not Ukraine, it's Kazakhstan. <laughs> I love that. It's like this guy's like, Patty's over here going, but I'm smart and I know because I was raised properly and I see it immediately. Super hyped up on her own superiority, right? That's the problem with today. And I want to be clear, anybody that might have said Ukraine in the chat, that's not the same point. I just want to, because I know that you, I think you might have assumed that's what I was going to say and that's why you would say it. So I didn't mean to make that about anybody in the chat. It's about this person and people like this. It's just, it's, these people are so cued into everything, Ukraine, that that's all they see. I find this to be really, really interesting. Now, on top of that, had we actually put Ukraine up on a map outside of a context of Ukraine discussion, my bet would be that most Americans wouldn't be able to pick it out of a map anyway. Sort of like when we talked about even North Korea, most people couldn't even pick that out of a map, despite it being very, very clear. But this is how this stuff works. Americans don't even understand where we're bombing, but they're getting worked up to a fervor to argue they should die. That's how this works, because we're manipulated. As Caitlin puts it, some of the most manipulated, if not the most propagandized population on Earth. Now, I wanted to play this clip again from Colonel Douglas McGregor, just to kind of give you the other, like, this is on Fox News, and it's, and it's a colonel who has understanding of the situation. Now, you could, I'm sure because Fox, people on one side are going to be like, racist or Republican, they're part, you know, they're just going to dump this into some stupid argument because everybody on one side's one way, because that's what we are allowed to think today. But it's very different than what you're going to hear on every other platform. Now, I think I did grab this. Yeah, right here. I am not a military expert. I'm not even an expert on geography. But if he takes Ukraine and Ukraine abuts Poland, then he's going to have a NATO country abutting him. So if that's what he doesn't want, then isn't he going to just have to keep going until he runs out of NATO countries? I, I guess I should say it again. Uh, he has no interest in crossing the west, the Dnieper and heading west to the Polish border. Uh, I think you're going to find from these negotiations he's quite willing to neutralize that territory on the Austrian or the Finnish model. Right now, Russia already touches Estonia and part of Latvia. White Russia, of course, touches uh, Lithuania. Uh, he's not interested in going to war with us, and he has an army that's too small for that purpose. And he knows it. His economy is smaller than that of uh, South Korea's. So this is not something that he's looking for. We are imputing to him things that he does not want to do in our usual effort to demonize him and his country. We need to remember that. That's an important point. I wasn't going to stop it, but that's an important point to remember. That's always what happens. 
always, and he knows this, he's a member of, former member of the military, or is he current or former? I forget. But he's telling you very clearly, we are saying he's doing things that he doesn't want or says he's going to do simply in our effort to demonize him, because that's the agenda. It's just amazing how clear it is when we're just honest with ourselves. That Ukraine is fourth from the bottom of 158 countries in the world as, as corrupt. Russia is perhaps three or four places above them. This is not the liberal democracy, the shining example that everyone says it is. Far from it. Mr. Zelensky has jailed journalists and his political opposition. I think we need to stay out of it. The American people think we should stay out of it. The Europeans think we should stay out of it. And we should stop shipping weapons and encouraging Ukrainians to die in what is a hopeless endeavor. So when you say stay out of it, you mean no sanctions, no military aid, just let Russia take the portion of Ukraine they want to take? Yes, absolutely. I, I see no reason why we should fight with the Russians over something that they have been talking about for years. We simply chose to ignore it. Exactly. And more important, the population there is indistinguishable from their own. You know, the, the thing that's so disturbing... And on top of that, it's a white supremacist government that's openly stated they want to cleanse them from the earth. Why does that not matter? Yeah, but force them back in because freedom. Is that on the one hand, we will not send our forces to fight, but we are urging Ukrainians to die pointlessly in a fight they can't win. We're going to create a far worse humanitarian disaster than anything you've seen thus far if it doesn't stop. Thank you for joining us. Uh... <laughs> I love the way that ends. Uh, go quick, get the hell out of here. He didn't work. That, that one didn't work. Oops, I went back. Uh, where were we? Okay, so seeing as how three and a half, I'm going to really try to run through this. I keep saying that. I always forget. I always think that, and then I'm like, oh, then we get into a point, and then I forget. But here is where this goes. I also see this as a point in regard to the Great Reset, right? We already showed you this, but I want to show you. This is the isolation section here of a segment we're going to get into. But just think about the obvious crossover with the way that they're, the financial control, the manipulation. Ukraine Zelensky, in a call with U.S. senators, simply asks for MasterCard and Visa cards to be banned in Russia, right? And then they do it. Ju instantaneously. The same day. Think about that. Which is unbelievably ridiculous. Like, so Visa and MasterCard, international companies, are actively and incredibly undermining their own business model. Now, here's the point I want you to think about. Guys, I'm going to go through more points here about mo any of these companies. All these companies that are cutting ties with Russia, right? Ask yourself this question. Most of them are losing huge profit by doing so. And the articles are pointing that out. Are we really going to pretend that their shareholders are just like, yeah, whatever, no big deal. Go ahead and take my money for a virtue signal. No big deal. Maybe some of them agree with politically, but I promise you some of these people don't care. They're like, this is about profit because that's what shareholders care about. But yet we're going to be like, yeah, do it. Just pull the rug out from half of the world because we care about profit. We, we care about propaganda. You know what? You know what it has to be? Now, this is my opinion. I do not believe this kind of thing would happen if there wasn't some kind of counterbalance. Their shareholders would never be okay with this if they weren't making this up somewhere else or had some kind of a deal in the making that would give them exponentially more profit. 
You read into that however you want. Think about the COVID-19 discussion about how these companies actively undermine their own business model to push COVID narrative. You know why? Because the CARES Act and other acts that gave them billions of dollars before they had a problem under a guise of COVID bailout, which was supposed to go to small business. And we know that didn't happen. They bailed out big companies before they pushed because they wanted to give them money so they would be willing to take out their own profit to go along with the narrative. It's free money. Why wouldn't they do that? Especially when they're tapped into the obvious technocratic control structure that's going forward. But the point being is they just followed suit. Pulled the rug out. Hey, American Express joins the cause. Suspending all operations in Russia and Belarus. This is ridiculous. And the point is, you know who this affects? Not the Russian government. Average Russian people. The very same people they're all screaming that they're doing this for. Because that's how stupid this is. Russian banks then rush to switch to Chinese system card or card system. Of course, right? Because that doesn't seem to jam through the great reset direction faster than ever. Or even more so, the engineered fall of the West, as Corbett talks about. This is crazy. This is actually a really big change that I think is going to be even pointed at as another justification for more action. Self-fulfilling prophecy. In any case, they've essentially driven Russia to take a very dramatic step. I think they were probably already going to do in some degree, and but they forced their hand, sort of like they did in other cases. But of course, this will be framed as their willful choice, like always before, like without any context about whether their actions drove them to take this action. And the World Bank and the IMF openly both together racing to get aid to Ukraine as fast as possible, right? How, how much more money can we get in the hands of these white supremacists? Think about the World Bank and the IMF apparently openly taking a side in this political conflict right in the beginning. That's crazy. This is the Great Reset push in a lot of different ways, guys. This is, or at the very least, it's being used to drive forward these things. And we'll get to that final point in a minute. But also we have these discussions from Market, from Business Insider and from Forbes telling you how many companies have just joined this fight. Some of the world's biggest, in fact, have abandoned Russia because of its war with Ukraine. I don't buy this for a second. I don't believe for a second that these companies care at all about you or them or anything. And they've made that clear about how many, how many times they've been caught drug trafficking and all these different things, all these big companies or the banks, or, and they're all involved here, or the oil companies, right? All of these people have been caught in some horrific things that hurt you. But sure, they're willing to pull half their profit or a huge chunk of their profit because of a political talking point. Three of them wrote off $30 billion. Yeah, because their shareholders are totally okay with that. Shareholders, totally okay with that. Like, where are all the business-minded people out there? You must be laughing. Like, you know this is ridiculous. They would never, ever be okay with this because it's basically taking money right out of their pockets. You're diminishing their share value. Nobody would be okay with that. And this is the, 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 oh, the main point. I think that was it here. Oh, okay. Well, I, I list some of them here. Some of the bigger ones, Apple. And they're telling you that they're, in every one of these, they're, they're, they're losing money. But also, don't also point out how many of these were tied in, in very clear ways with the larger technocratic push. Apple. And then you got a lot of gas companies and banks and stuff. It's a very clear collection of the same kind of things we're pointing at. BP, Shell, ExxonMobil, clearly because these are all the people that care about freedom, right? Obviously, the oil companies have only fought for freedom their whole life. No, they've raped and pillaged in the Iraq war and the Syrian war and everything else. And now they care about freedom? Come on, guys. It's just silly. HSBC, clearly one of the most criminal. I mean, God, this is, it's crazy. And then Volkswagen. 
Netflix, MasterCard, Visa, not buying it, not even remotely. We work. Big four accounting firms suspend service. Here's the list of companies cutting ties with Russia. So I'm just going to list off the ones that weren't before. EA Sports, who, by the way, already pulled their games. I mean, it's just ridiculous. All of these things hurt civilians. I, 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 there's going to be some level of profit from the, the company, but these are civilian people that are invested in all of these things. What about their accounts? What about their computers? What about their everything? Microsoft, Samsung, Airbnb, Google, right? It's totally not a technocratic push. Mercedes-Benz, Spotify, Oracle, totally. Dell, Boeing, Nike, Ford, right? It's a who's who of these people that have been involved with war crimes, and it's pretty hilarious to me. Meta, yeah, Facebook cares about your freedom. YouTube, Walt Disney, great. Look at their history of pedophilia. Go into it all. They're all about freedom, right? Anyway, it goes on and on about the, the who's who of the best people of the world, right? Finally, so PayPal has stopped working in Russia today. And Twitch will no longer pay Russian streamers. Why? Because they're members of the government? No, because they're Russian. How do you explain that? How do you even make sense? of They're trying to pretend it's only about the Russian government, except Twitch is just simply no longer paying Russian streamers because they're Russian. That's simply racist. Thank you very much for cutting my only source of income. I am sure this will solve all of the world's problems. Exactly. It's just, it's, you know, it is insulting in so many different ways. And then to finally finish this off, trying to wrap this up pretty quick. I'll probably, I'm going to revisit this tomorrow on the COVID part of it, too, because it totally relates. Russia claims Ukraine is planning a false flag attack on a nuclear facility. Now, obviously, question this, right? I mean, you could argue the same as always. Russia could be saying this because they're going to carry something out. But I asked the simple question about whether it's whether it actually makes sense to what they're trying to accomplish. Now, of course, when you frame them as simply trying to murder and kill and pillage, well, then, yeah, but that's not what's actually happening. That's rarely what's actually happening. I mean, again, even from the American side of it, they, at the, as an end result, there's definitely raping and pillaging and killing, which has happened in every war they've ever taken part in. But it, there's always a reason. There's always an agenda. There's something they're trying to accomplish. This argument that people are just maniac murderer psychopaths, which exists, but they rarely have the wherewithal and the logic to find their way into the leadership of a country unless they're placed there by a terrible group like the U.S. government, right? That's how that tends to work. Russia claims Ukraine is planning false flag attack on nuclear facility. And yet another claim of false flags on nuclear issues, Russia alleged the Ukrainian services, security services, the SBU, who is led by a neo-Nazi and the literal neo-Nazi group, the Azov Battalion, are planning radioactive incidents to blame on Russia. That's saying that they're claiming Oh, I, that's right. I was going to show you the tweet. This is coming, and as I said, this, well, I'll read the tweet first. This is coming from the Russian government. It's saying, an alert, the SBU and the Azov Battalion militants have rigged a reactor at the Kargov Institute of Physics and Technology to stage a provocation and accuse the Russian armed forces of launching a missile attack on the experimental nuclear facility. We've already seen this weird hype about this location, right, from the press. Interesting. Now, again, it could be because Russia has designed to do it and they're trying to lay it out there. But I ask why we wouldn't be logical about asking what end to what end. Maybe it's just I could, I could play this game and say maybe it's just to create the the momentum of, of showing, but they don't need that. 
these people are easily shown to be really bad people. And you can even show how the American government called them terrorists. Again, right before this started, back to this. Oh, I, I closed it, it looks like. Right before this started, Democratic Representative Alyssa Slotkin herself sent a letter to Anthony Blinken, you know, the group who's right now saying NATO ships can go fight with them. She wrote them a, a letter saying the Azov Regiment's active far-right recruiting efforts were a problem because they're terrorists, because they're white supremacists. She called it out, and so did everybody else before we got here, but now it's fake news. You see what I mean? Like, th it's crazy. So... We should ask whether or not these people would be willing to do that. And my well, point was simply that they, Russia doesn't need to fake context. It's easy to point out that even they know they're bad, right? So as I said, no one should blindly take this at face value, nor should you, the mainstream or U.S. government, but many do. But it's astonishing to me that such claims are roundly ignored, even when they come to pass, like it has in Syria, even though Russia has predicted more than once, one more than one of the now verifiable U.S.-backed false flags. Doesn't mean Russia wouldn't carry a false flag. Doesn't mean they're not capable of it. It simply means they have called and got it correct. And now we're in a situation where I'm willing to consider it as well. Now on that point, to finish, here's Delanya, once again with a breaking story, pointing out the Russian defense ministry has published documents in which you should question. If it's coming from one side of a narrative, you should question it, but they're publishing documents for you to read, which we rarely get from the other side. Obtained from employees of the Pentagon-funded bio-laboratories in Ukraine, which, by the way, is a verifiable fact, and I'll show you again, despite their ridiculous, flimsy fact checks. On 24th of February, the Health Ministry of Ukraine instructed these bio-laboratories to urgently destroy deadly pathogens and bio-agents. Now, I could even play the game and argue that they did this because they were afraid Russia would attack and these things would leak out, and all they were trying to do was make vaccines. That's probably what they'll say if pushed to it. And who knows? Maybe it's true. But the point is, it's all in, in Russian. So you could, and I, I have, I've checked this with other people in regard to, uh, and this one's that, this one right here has the list of some of these things. Like you can kind of suss out like strapalococcus kind of things in there. These are obvious, you know, things they tinker with and gain a function research. Now this is coming from the Russian ministry, right? In the, in, in general sense, the point is it's hard. The, the document should be considered and you know that, especially since these are people that have been involved in stuff like this, especially since these are, open white supremacists that have openly said they're going to carry out such acts, right? It's basic stuff. But this is even more important. PolitiFact would come out and say, Russia's targeting U.S. biological weapons labs is a fake story. Now, maybe it is fake that they were targeting them, but they then go on to say there are no U.S. bio labs in Ukraine. Not, not bioweapons, just simply bio labs. Which, by the way, is what they would be if they were even working for vaccines, which is they are the fake story they always spin. That's not even a real thing, guys. You don't make up new dangerous things to make a vaccine for in lieu, in the, you know, in the hope, or rather, I guess not even hope, for the rare one of the bazillion chance that it just naturally occurs, or somebody makes the same thing that you quietly secretly made. I mean, how dumb is that? They're making a vaccine for a weapon they made, if they're even making a vaccine to begin with. I don't know why that's so hard for people to understand. But the point is, as even Dr. Boyles pointed out, but the point is they're saying don't these don't even exist, even in the context of the fake argument of vaccines. Then they say, no, it's just this group, the thing we did to improve laboratories and prevent threats of outbreaks of infectious diseases, which kind of in a sense tells argues that they 
have labs with infectious diseases, which by the way, by definition is a bio lab. So dumb politifact, but the point nonetheless is they're trying to point at this kind of a thing and show you the documented locations of what they're working on and say fake news, right? And most people that want to believe it would read this and go, oh, fact check, right? Didn't you read the fact check? Fake news, been debunked. Well, here is the U.S. government talking about exactly what they're doing because, yeah, fake news, right? Reducing biological threats. Well, yeah, that sounds like what they just said, right? Well, here's what it says. The U.S. Embassy would like to state the real state of affairs, basically saying because Russia disinformation about all, about all this stuff. It says, U.S. Department of Defense biosecurity program is working in Ukraine with the Ukrainian government to ensure consolidated and secure storage of pathogens and threatening toxins. Peaceful research and vaccines can be conducted. Yeah, regard that what they just said, you can look it up for yourself, is the definition of a biolab. So you're lying, PolitiFact, or you're too stupid to see that you don't even know what you're talking about. Or you just said what they told you to say. So they're admitting we're working on this, but it's, it's for vaccines, though. It's for vaccines. Well, yeah, that's exactly what's happening, and they claim in Fort Detrick. That's what they call the biolab. It's a BSL4 lab, right? So here they are working on vaccines in the same exact way over here, but not a biolab, you liar. This is what happens when you're mixed up in this. They're lying about everything, as I always say, and they're just stepping on previous slides. They don't even know. I don't, they're digging their way out of a hole. It says, our joint efforts help to ensure that dangerous pathogens do not fall in the wrong hands. Yeah, so you're working, you're working on, like the only way you'd work on vaccines is if you're working on gain of function, where you're making worse and then making a vaccine for it. That is the same thing we're talking about. Just because you frame it differently doesn't mean anything. So the point is, there are biolabs. They just admitted to it. They just don't like using that word. So when you're seeing stuff like this, we need to really ask whether there's obvious reason to question whether they're making bioweapons or now whether they have actively tried to hide that evidence. Well, guess what? There's already pretty much evidence of that because they've already come out and said, Russian invasion of Ukraine risks release of dangerous pathogens. Oh, you mean the pathogens that don't exist? aren't in labs that aren't there cool right well so they're fake news doesn't exist until we warn that they might get out of the place that isn't there right and then also until we point at false claims of biowarfare in ukraine because of qanon because these are vaccines that might risk coming out right <laughs> i mean i could i could make fun of this all day it's just so stupid it really is that dumb. They're trying to lay it at the feet of the Republicans, the QAnon. They want this to be the case, guys. And then finally, to finish off, I, this is just a perfect way. To, this is where how I was going to transition to COVID, but it, obviously the way too long. We'll talk about it tomorrow. War in Ukraine could lead to devastating tuberculosis problem, warns Anthony Fauci. Hey, Anthony Fauci, why don't you just shut up for a while? Because I don't think anybody wants to hear your bleeding fear mongering, especially when it has to do with Ukraine. Why in the world do we care what you think about Ukraine? Because that's where we are right now. This guy's no longer just a health guy in the corner talking about, he is a biosecurity expert, right? We are now in the biosecurity state. This guy's going to speak up all over the place and say, well, war and this and that, right? That's what's happening. Now we're worried about tuberculosis outbreaks in the middle. They've already reported about COVID outbreaks in the middle of the war in Ukraine. They're keeping this all flowing, guys. It's all still here. Also, don't miss the interesting tie over to the HIV discussion. Apparently, people that get HIV, one of the most high, most common things they have is tuberculosis. Well, look at that. Hmm. 
Well, just for the record, nobody was claiming that they had BSL-4, if you listen to what I said, but just, just for the record, we're talking about biosecurity labs, period. I said BSL-4 in regard to Fort Detroit, but always love people reading into what I'm saying. But the point here, guys, is at the end of the day, he is clearly hyping the threat that ties this back over into what we're talking about in COVID-19. Ukraine reports tens of thousands of new tuberculosis cases annually. Well, by the way, there's always been a huge tuberculosis. Before COVID outbreak, the, the year before, there was 1.5 million tuberculosis cases in a year, or in, in that year period throughout the world. Where was the tuberculosis pandemic? Right? Well, it doesn't matter because it's only about framing. Well, here, maybe it's because vaccines being given and, and the VADES process causing something like this. Certainly possible, but at the end of the day, it could just be Fauci coming out and saying, I'm relevant. Even in war, that might happen over there. Don't forget about what we're talking about and why you're going to get sick again. The next variant that's coming right around this propaganda narrative, right? That's where I feel like this is going. At the end of the day, I think it's pretty damn clear that all of this is questionable. I mean, we, as I always say, we should be questioning from every side, but the reality, guys, is that they are deceiving you from day one. And that doesn't have to mean that you're trusting one side or the other, but we need to be able to be honest with ourselves, one, about the history of the government that's lying to you about what it's funding in Ukraine and what they've been caught lying about up until now. I mean, right before this started, they were screaming about how these are bad people, and then they just shifted the narrative over, over hid it from you for weeks. And then once we pushed it back through the independent media, of course, they come back around and go, yeah, well, it's real, but here's why you're wrong. It's bad. It's just, just bad, guys. And I know we can see this. What I'm hoping is we can reach a couple more people out there that are on the fence, that are willing to hear what we're saying, but need to see the evidence and they're not seeing anywhere else. So help me do that. Help me get in front of them. Didn't plan for it to be this long tonight, but it was important. I'm glad. I hope you stayed through to the end. Thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Saying it was intolerable. The toggery and the warmongering and the brutality of Putin. You wouldn't stand for it. Urgent action had to be taken. But we've got to be much more careful with the Palestinians and their treatment. And I haven't even got time for the briefing I organized this week about the people of Yemen. And how Saudi Arabia, the most despotic regime in the world, armed to the teeth by the United States, Britain, France and others. Killing 337,000 people in Yemen in the last five years. 10,000 children. Any action against the United States for arming them? Uh, or Britain? Or France? Or Saudi itself? No. No action. No sanctions. No outrage. Words of concern. We'll raise it. We'll raise it. We'll call on them to do things. Now, you see, if you're going to have moral standards, those standards have to be consistent. Otherwise, they are not standards at all. They are just cynicism. And, of course, we all know the reason that the standards are not consistent is because to call out the apartheid state of Israel would be to run foul of the concerns of certain states that are now presenting themselves as defenders of democracy uh, and so on, such as the United States, the UK, Germany and other powers, whose relationship with Israel, supporting it and backing it, means that the European Union's uh, moral credentials uh, are bankrupted uh, and that they are not willing to take the action. 
and we go along with that. That is not acceptable. So I appeal to you, Minister, I appeal to you to uphold the tradition this country has, going right back to its foundation, to opposing oppression uh, of peoples and standing up against brutal powers that are willing to subjugate people like the Palestinians or any others. Show some moral backbone, show some consistency and support the motion that we have circulated to every TD in this House.